0: You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door.
1: W-A-P-G,
0: it's the Airline Pilot
2: Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 524. Yeah, he's up in the sky, it's the Airline Pilot Guy. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door with your host, Captain Jack, broadcasting live from Studio 3C at the Doubletree in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today's show is recorded on the 8th of June, 2022. Yeah. today's episode, a flight starts to take off from a taxiway at O'Hare. Four years in jail for a guy who conned airlines out of $300,000 in phony lost luggage claims. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tale. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 524 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger.
3: He's an award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins in
1: New York
3: City! Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering, yeah, you guessed it, aviation news, your feedback, and so much more. I'm Captain Jeff, pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, GA, and joining me from, not from our lakeside studio in South, but right next to me in the Doubletree Hotel.
4: In North.
3: Oh. Right on that. Sorry. (laughs) Very smooth. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate that. Uh, Yeah. So uh, we're here. Uh, I'm on a layover. And well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Anyway, she's a doctor, skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper, Dr. Steph. So glad to be here.
4: Nice I'm to see. Glad you. that
3: you're here as well. Yeah. yeah, we haven't really even had time to talk. We have talk.
4: not. We'll catch up.
3: Yeah. All right. And also joining us from across the pond, in his home studio,
5: in Hartford, Hereford, and
6: Hampshire.
3: Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick.
7: Hi there, team. Great to be back with you all. We're going to have a few of us on board tonight, which is going to be great. Looking forward to it. We are as well. And also joining us in the control room
3: in Toronto. Oops, wrong one. (laughs) Thank you. She saw that before I even clicked on it. Uh, from her studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, retired financier, aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer, it's Liz Piper.
6: Hi, everybody! Very jealous you guys are together there in Charlotte. You're welcome to visit
3: anytime. We have space for you right here.
6: Yeah,
4: there's room for another. Gym. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> have a good We're show, to back everybody. The camera up a little bit. That's all. It'll look. Yeah.
0: Stand by
3: for news. Okay, let's start with this first item in our news notebook. Uh, A Viva Bus A20N, so an A320 200 registration uh, X-Ray Alpha Victor India Mike performing flight 187 from Chicago O'Hare to Mexico City. Tried to uh, or taxied to runway 22 left via taxiway Victor. When tower cleared the run aircraft to line up. On runway 22 left, and wait shortly, followed by takeoff clearance from runway 22 left. The aircraft, however, did something else, something different, and we're going to go ahead and play this little video clip from the Aviation Herald. No, Vast Aviation. <laughs> exactly what I mean to say from Vast Aviation. Here we go
8: up
3: What's the call sign? Aero and enlace, and something like that. Hmm. Okay, so they line up on taxiway November instead.
2: It left for
4: Basically means Aerolink.
8: Airline 27, cancel your takeoff clearance. Are you lined up for two to left? Cancel your takeoff clearance. Airline 27, cancel your takeoff clearance. Stop. Airline 287, stop.
2: Airline 287, stop. You're taking off on a taxiway. Airline 287,
0: O'Hare. one
5: Okay, you your takeoff Clarence Airlines 27, you're on taxiway November right now. Make a right-hand turn at Yankee and a right-hand turn on Vickers. Okay, Over uh, your
0: right uh, turn right, uh, on Yankee
5: and then take on Make a two right-hand turns. Next right turn is Yankee, The right turn at Yankee,
8: and a right turn on Vickers. Right turn back Yankee and then right turn on Yankee and
1: then
5: on it's okay. Just make the right-hand turn. Right-turn six Advising you're ready for departure.
3: Is it okay, though? We're going to find out in a moment here. Okay,
5: getting a number.
2: LF that it is. That is a possible pilot. So I have a phone number for you to get a copy That's when you're a ready.
4: probable. <laughs> they always have to say probable. <laughs> well, they said
3: possible. Oh, possible. Yeah. No, I said no, it's probable. LF 27, oh, probable. 27. Okay. telephone number
1: is <laughs> 773-601. X, 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 X. All right. Uh, 287, which is with the
3: and the aircraft continued to their destination safely using the correct runway, which is runway two, two left. So the, uh, Parallel taxi, well, not, not not even a parallel taxi, the taxi way. Thank you, Liz. Uh, we're seeing on the uh, imagery on the video, and we'll have in the show notes if you're playing along. Uh, they uh, were supposed to line up um, on a two, 220 heading, 220 ish heading. I think it's 218 for that runway, 22 left. And uh, instead, they ended up um, turning right and then basically heading due west. Uh, which is uh, one of the parallel taxiways for 2 8 right, And uh, luckily, the uh, control tower
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, controller uh, saw this early on. Very quickly. The, yeah, they didn't v- get very far. And, uh, you know, averted a, a disaster there. Um, it, so uh, this just goes to say that it's always extremely important for us to, when we're taking a runway, to kind of double-check your heading on your primary flight display and make sure that that makes sense with the runway that we're supposed to be using for takeoff and uh, that would prevent uh, something like this from happening.
4: What time of day did this happen? Do we know?
3: Um, was it
4: nighttime? Was
1: it
3: night? I don't think so. May, uh, does it say?
4: Mm, I don't think it says.
3: I'm not sure. No, it doesn't say on uh, the Aviation Herald uh, narrative as uh, either. Um, But, I mean... Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I would think that at night, it should be even more obvious that you're not lining up on a runway, but a taxiway because mm-hmm. of the lighting. Um, I don't know. I,
4: just... I, I mean, it should be obvious either way you would think, but, you know, if it's a unfamiliar environment, it's been stressful for some reason, long day, mm-hmm. task saturated with some, something else going on, you mm-hmm. know, unbeknownst to us. And yeah. Yeah. Good work by the controller.
7: You know, I used to uh, depart on that runway quite a lot when uh, I was working. And we were parked. If you can put that picture of uh, it back up, Liz. Uh, Yeah, we were parked right where those aircraft uh, are. You can see at the top. That was the kind of international terminal uh, for visitors. And uh, um, the one thing I will say is that… And Southwest um,
4: Airlines now. (laughs)
1: Well, okay
7: <laughs> same, fair category. same category uh, yeah. was same that um, <laughs> Non-cowboys. when there weren 't any big queues uh, well, even when they were, we used to get a lot of our checks done before we even called for taxi because we knew that if we were given a a quick taxi, the route between where we were parked and that end of that runway was very quick. And uh, you didn't want to get rushed trying to do your checks or miss something. And I'm not saying this is the reason, but that's just one of those things you've got to think about when uh, you've actually got a very short taxi route. Um, I don't think it's particularly confusing. It is always a little confusing when you've got two runways starting around the same area. But I, I really don't have a of sympathy for the crew for the very reason that Jeff said, not only... Um, do they have a picture of the runway on their horizontal display? You know, it's it's representation—a big long ob- runway—and you you're supposed to be pointing. <laughs> pointing down it when you line up for takeoff like you've, add, you've got a damn great <laughs> big compass yeah to show you and and most sensible uh, crews tune an ILS uh, so that they've got that confirmation as well you know there are so many ways of making sure and the markings on a runway are pretty very <laughs> different than a compared with a taxiway that they've just trolled along so not a lot of sympathy for the crew. I'm very impressed with the controller and, and particularly because not only did he make the calls and spot it very quickly. when he thought that the phrase he was using wasn't working and they were still rolling, he changed it and and said, "You're taking off on a taxiway. in other words, he didn't just keep repeating the same command, stop. he actually said something different that might have um you know suddenly, Bought a response from them. Uh, I think they were just probably too busy talking to each other, trying to work out what was going on to listen yeah, what to them. Uh, uh, no, so
4: what? consider they're you exactly. <laughs> know yes. Mexican Mexican airline, yes. so probably not native English speakers. Correct, Spanish is probably their first language. But that's actually very difficult to do. You know when you're, um, you know there's a startle factor for that uh, controller as well. He wasn't expecting them to go down a taxiway You expect them to line up on the runway yeah. um it's
7: yeah
4: you usually say the first thing that comes to your brain that's going to get their attention and it's very difficult to think oh maybe they're not understanding that i need to say something i need to phrase it differently or say something a little bit different so, i found
3: yeah. though if you're trying to communicate with somebody in a different language if you just say it louder <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. then that <laughs> usually helps <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, interpretation, volume
4: interpretation. Yeah, but it's I incredibly. Like interpretation.
7: Yeah, it's an incredibly busy uh, airport. And the controllers there, uh, they, they, uh, you know, they make it work. Uh, and they get an enormous number of aircraft uh, moving all at the same time, simultaneous runways for base departure and runway and arrivals. So, you know, they are working incredibly hard. And for one of them to spot this, I think is uh, really good. So, well done, Chicago.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. very good controllers there.
7: All right, let's
3: continue on with
7: this next
3: item in our notebook. Uh, A GetJet Airlines Malta Airbus A32200 on behalf of Norwegian Registration Nine Hotel Echo Mic Uniform Performing Flight 4311 from Stockholm, Sweden to Paris Charles de Gaulle, France was on an RNP approach required navigation performance approach to Charles de Gaulle's runway 27 right. However, with an erroneous altimeter setting, instead of QNH 1001 hectopascals, uh, the crew had uh, selected 1011 HPA. Hmm. Uh, The approach was thus performed below the glide path and eventually triggered a minimum safe altitude warning at The controller's desk. In response, the crew initiated a go-around at low height without having acquired visual contact with the ground and positioned for another approach. The second approach was also performed below the glide slope. The crew, however, acquired visual contact, corrected their trajectory, and landed without further incident about 16 minutes after the go-around. The French BEA rated the occurrence a serious incident uh, category controlled flight into terrain. And, open, and they opened an investigation. Weather at the time was, let's see, some rain showers in the area at 5,000, uh few at 1,000 feet, broken 1,500. No, 5,000, I guess, is the uh, visibility, I guess. Uh, yeah, 5,000 visibility, uh, rain showers, few at 1,000, 1,500 broken, 2,800 broken, and then uh, 5,000 feet. They had a few... Cumulonimbus. Uh, temperature sixty one or sixteen and fifteen. So it looks like uh, the visibility wasn't great. I, I'm, I'm assuming that five thousand is a. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, is
4: that's
3: that, the visibility. Yeah. Is that an I? Uh, 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 that's not an RVR though, is it? It's, uh, <laughs> it's is good. that meters? Five thousand meters. Is that uh, what that would be, Nick? Help me out.
7: Uh, yeah, that's exactly right, Jeff. So okay. five, five kilometers, five thousand meters. Yeah. Oh, okay. So decent visibility. So three miles. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so three miles visibility. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not bad at all, really. Even uh, in the showers of rain, um, the cloud wasn't too low. Uh, you know, it, it's quite a reasonable day. It's it, it's relax and enjoy the approach day, really. Mm-hmm. And I can see how you could get mixed
3: up between one zero zero one and one zero one one. How would how would they, you know, well, trap so, that?
1: Uh, I
4: mean, if they. Uh, not very easily, I suppose. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't quite understand.
7: They would both need to set the same erroneous um, level. Otherwise, you get a disagree uh, warning telling you that you've got different q and set on one side of the cockpit. To the other. Or maybe when they uh, were listening to they, the sorry, I missed or that whatever, they,
3: they. Yeah, they
4: heard they, it erroneously or it was communicating. And you do your checklists
3: and you say 1011 and then cross checked, mm-hmm. you know, and you're. So I can see how they both have the uh,
4: And interestingly, yeah, they didn't, perhaps they didn't their change it on their They didn't change it on their go around.
7: You know, they were low again, but. No, that's the unusual thing because you'd thought, having had this, I wonder what the controller actually said to them. Because if you give them an, an indication, if you just send them around, you go, Well, I wonder why that was. But if he said, You've been flying that approach um, feet way too low the whole time. Yeah. If then you would go, Oh, why were we doing that? Let's have a look around the cockpit and see. You might have picked it up. But uh, this is the sort of thing that every pilot, you know, whoever does an instrument rating or, a, you know, GA pilot, If we ever miss an altimeter on one of our SIM rides, that's that's it. That's a fail. Um, You know, this is one of the the vital things. In fact, there's a lot of SIM procedures we do where the instructor purposely sends you above uh, the transition altitude and brings you back down again just to confirm that you're capable of setting the correct altimeter settings. Um, So, you know, I, I... kind of dispersed a bit like the first one I'm going what are people doing uh, we all make mistakes understand that but I, I, and- I like you nick a good point it'd
3: be nice to have the um, transcript for the communications because i'm wondering if the tower uh, or controller or the approach controller kind of said confirm you know altimeter 1011 or 1001 yeah. Yeah,
4: who gave who gave you the erroneous information in the first place or where would they get it from
7: yeah,
3: if they got it from that
7: controller, yeah, that's, that's we mm-hmm. want to know
4: yeah. who to blame. Good point.
7: Yeah, but they're going to do a full. Uh, it's a serious incident, so there will be a, a full inquiry, and hopefully, we'll actually get a transcript, script, perhaps. Yeah, because this just happened uh, recently, just the third of June. So, and I said, yeah. I said two hundred feet,
4: yeah. but apparently, that's two hundred and seventy feet. Twenty third of I,
3: 23rd I don't know. Of May. Oh, 23rd of May. Okay, this was created on June third. Yeah, okay. I, I, as a rule of
7: thumb, it's about. Thirty feet. Uh, hectopascal okay. I don't so know what ten hectopascals he- means. Yeah, we don't use
4: that. I don't. Know. That's yeah. I know you we guys use, use some some
7: arcane measurement where you measure mercury in inches. Uh, yeah, inches
4: of
7: mercury. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we're again. <laughs> that
4: makes
3: more sense. It's fine. <laughs> that's what we do. That's what the cowboys used to do. They used to use mercury uh, inches of mercury uh, in the in the yeah. Uh, and uh, then when you break it open, yeah, wow, they used wow, to you know, know, drink it in the you old drink days. Yeah.
4: Well, if you drink it and it passes straight yeah, through, that's fine. Absolutely. That's when it's <laughs> that's
3: when you inhale it. I hall
6: boxes has a good comment
3: here. I hall boxes says uh, also Q and H are supposed to be read back, so at least three people were wrong. Now in this case, one zero zero one one zero one one, I could I could see maybe even hearing it read back incorrect. You know, like or not hearing it read back incorrectly. You know what I mean? The, 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 those are no. no it's very, all it's all entirely similar.
4: possible to do, but that's why there's supposed to be three people. <laughs> yeah, checking it. And you know, yep. it's one of those things where
7: but is it then, possible for everybody to make yeah. the mistake? Yes, yes, it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's Clearly a Maltese yes. crew reading it back to a French controller, so uh, anything could happen. <laughs> okay,
6: flying for Norwegian. <laughs> well,
7: I'm just saying neither of them are using their yeah their primary language. You know, True. they're not. They're, they're using a secondary language. What is to, the to
3: primary to, language for uh, Maltese people? Do they have a Maltese language?
7: Uh, I I don't know. I have no idea. But I don't think it's necessarily English. But uh, Carlos
3: would know for sure.
7: It it might be. Some countries uh, Mm -hmm. have English as their primary language. I'm sure, they've got a local language. Hmm. Okay, next. I mean, there are a lot of GA pilots out there that go, oh, my heaven, you guys are supposed to be professionals. What's the matter with you? And when something like this happens, Mm -hmm. I happen to agree with them. Yeah, true. Well, Let's pick on GA pilots next.
3: Uh, <laughs> next. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> Nobody gets a Jane. free pass. <laughs> <laughs> Accident uh, EDI Express, Turbine Express 2000 RG. I guess that means retractable, retractable gear. gear yeah. I'm uh, not continue because I have, a, have to cough.
4: Okay. Uh, I'm not familiar with this. That's particular. a sleek looking <sighs> airplane. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this particular aircraft type. Um, so let me scroll down here. Um, so an EDI Express Turbine Express Two Thousand retractable gear experimental amateur built airplane, uh, this was November four four five zero eight, was destroyed when it was involved in an accident near Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, the sole that's pilot where board...
7: cowboys come. from. I
4: know. I was I was looking for the cowboy. <laughs> uh, you can
3: find it. Click over there, uh, and I uh, it up. then right there.
4: There we go. Got it.
3: <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um The sole yeah.
4: pilot on board. Six gun? was fatally injured. Um, preliminary information indicates the pilot reported an engine failure. Oops. Oh, can't. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Jeff removed the screen I was My reading.
7: <laughs> this is professional here. I thought you were laughing about the, the result no, of the I was, crash. I was so I thought...
4: reading across the screen and it, all of a sudden it wasn't, Very callous. it was not the article anymore. It was some picture of something yeah. well done, on Jeff. Facebook. Um, So the pilot reported an engine failure about four miles south of Cheyenne Airport. Um, That's Charlie Yankee Sierra. Shortly after takeoff, he later told ATC that he was going to try to land in a field. And his last communication soon after was, I am on fire. Please send rescue. The crash site is a storage area off Nation Way and Crook Avenue, less than two miles from the runway.
3: Uh, Yep. Um, And by the way, we should uh, mention... That uh, some of the uh, news coverage is from Cowboy State Daily. It's Wyoming. I know. Yeehaw! haw Yee-ha! <laughs> uh, Let's see. Um, it it really doesn't have a heck of a lot of uh, information, but we do have. Wait a minute. Hang on. A video from security I have cameras. A video. Show here, the plane so spinning into the ground. Let's uh, take a look at this, shall we? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ooh. um uh, see that? that's
9: okay. a very cool. high angle of descent Steve Sears had the security cam footage of this aircraft coming down not a good sign with this angle here no it was a solo pilot you can see it was an express 2000 RG November four four five zero eight was the tail number this is the interior I'm not sure if any of you have flown this aircraft before any of you pilots um but there's the tail number there. Yeah, so nice again, fire is going to gonna go ahead and get the call from dispatch. They're going to go and respond to this thing. And you can see they're on scene putting water. Was that a storage facility? Luckily, the storage facility was closed. No one on the ground was injured, which is good. But you never know what is inside these sto- uh, storage um, rooms. So they have to be careful there. And thank you, Standby News, for the for that footage. And then, so here you can see they pulled hand lines. So these larger hoses are going to go to the hydrants so they can
3: get sustained water. And then this, they by the pull way, is from um, a YouTube channel. This guy, we, we played some stuff there. from uh, his channel before. Distance. He uh, comes at it from a firefighter fire, perspective. you can
9: see they got, got it out. Got out. Got out. Again, out. Mm-hmm. solo passenger or solo pilot um, did not survive. Anyway, there's the,
3: showing the flight path took off. Uh, turned left and then the had the Cheyenne problem Regional with the engine airport. and uh, didn't make and it back to the air, airport. <laughs> and, and it looks like a pretty built-up the area there that the uh, where the airport is. And then you can see that Luckily, though, no injuries on the ground, but unfortunately road, a fatal injury for Luckily, the pilot. Luckily, they were filming that reality show storage
6: wars the
9: storage there. facility again.
3: Okay. I'm not going to repeat that Liz. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> no. I know.
6: 170. <laughs> <slightly insensitive.
1: laughs> okay.
3: Uh this is ARFF World, uh the YouTube you uh channel no, where from room. uh I, I got this uh this video. Okay.
6: Johnny Johnson says.
3: Oh, Johnny Johnson. One? My Picasso was in that storage unit. Yeah, I bet it was, <laughs> was. Johnny.
6: Yep.
4: Insurance. <laughs> yeah. Give me that. Make a claim.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just need the receipt, Johnny. <laughs> we
6: want to laugh about this. We just really want
7: to laugh about this.
3: Yeah, um, so this is not, not, a, this laughing is not a laughing matter at laughing all. Story. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. It's really hard to tell from.
4: I mean, so he, he realized he had a, a problem. He had engine failure and then apparently a fire, or at least smoke. Um, but that looks like he stalled.
3: Yeah, so I'm thinking that it may have all these distractions caused him not to pay attention to his airspeed. Airspeed, and that's that, and it's not uncommon, is it? No, that you know, happens. You lose an engine, yeah,
4: and especially and, if you, you know, if you can't see if for some reason the, there is smoke in the cockpit.
3: Yeah, that's a definitely a, mm-hmm. a an aggravating factor
7: in the whole thing. If you have smoke in the airplane.
6: Um, we'll fire. see if we can get some more information as time yeah, goes. Yeah,
7: such a yeah. shame. Uh, you know, he's obviously a keen pilot, sweet airplane. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's a thing that's rather unusual in to, to the states, really. This category of experimental aircraft. So uh, I don't know how well regulated it is compared with you know, sort of standard commercial airplane that you would buy. I, I mean. Air, airplane built by a manufacturer. Um, yeah, obviously, there's uh, you know,
3: regulation involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, But, you know, just looking at the pictures of the airplane looked pretty, pretty nice. I mean, yeah,
7: it looks like slick, a, yeah. Oh, it did. It, yeah, well decked out and looked well put together, too. So, When you're at well, EAA,
6: can you do an interview on that, Jeff, please? Can you find it out? Br- about brings
7: that? me back for some reason to um, no. <laughs> uh, the lovely uh, country okay. singer. Uh, who died in an experimental aircraft? He was flying himself. Um, um, yeah, I think he lived road. near uh, John, Den- John Denver. Oh, John Denver. D- Denver. <laughs> John Denver. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's lived near Denver, right. I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He probably. <laughs> yeah, he, he died when he um he had an engine problem and he had to try and find a fuel cock, uh, to um a, Turn and uh, get fuel from uh, another tank, and it was in a really difficult position because, you know, it's the sort of thing that sometimes happens when you build your own airplane. Yeah, and in that case, it wasn't really an engine
3: problem. I mean, the engine did quit because of fuel starvation, and uh, he was trying to fix it by…
1: Yeah,
7: yeah. Being sure he he coming. he jammed the rudder over, trying to get his leg out of the way so he could twist around and um, turn the fuel cock, put good the airplane into a spin. But you know, yeah, I'm just thinking. You know, it's a little bit similar. All right. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's bump
3: it up to the more positive. Oh, actually, it's not super positive, but it's at yeah, least it's not, not a crash. No, no it's pilots. No, fa- fault no
8: here. fatalities
4: in
3: this. No right. pilots' fault. Here. No pilots' fault nope. here. Uh, Let's say con artist gets nearly four years in jail for five hundred and fifty thousand dollars lost luggage scam that duped American, Alaska, and United
6: Airlines. Not Acme.
3: Not Acme. Yeah, we're not going to fall for this crap. No. A fraudster who <laughs> managed to swindle more than three hundred thousand out of five major airlines has been sentenced to nearly four years behind bars after reaching a plea agreement with prosecutors. Pernell Anthony Jones of Kenner, Louisiana. Oh, these Louisianians or Louisianans. <laughs> Louisianans. Yeah. Uh, That sounds better. uh, Is that right? Yeah. I'm not sure, to
4: be honest.
3: (laughs) People that live in Louisiana uh, duped the likes of American Airlines, Alaska Airlines, and United out of hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost luggage claims. Southwest Airlines and JetBlue also fell victims to Jones' crimes. <laughs> Jones carried out his crimes for more than five years and even continued to submit fake claims after he was arrested.
1: <laughs> wow, that's, that's
6: dedication. I like, I'm that's dedication like this too. guy. <laughs> like, he needed to pay his lawyer. yeah,
7: yeah they were anyway, not notice. I've got to pay for these lawyers. Exactly
6: legal legal
3: fees.
7: Anyway, he was arrested. Yeah, this is by any form of
3: income. <laughs>
1: At Dallas Love
3: in April of 2018, when TSA security agents found 36 fraudulent driver's licenses (laughs) and 47 credit cards under fictitious names in his possession. I
4: hope you pick some good fictitious (laughs) names, like just cartoon characters and Jeff Nielsen,
3: (laughs) former presidents. (laughs) It wasn't until March 2020, however, that Jones was eventually arrested at Louis Armstrong International Airport. On suspicion of committing mail fraud when he went to pick up a reimbursement check for a fraudulent baggage claim. Shortly after his arrest, investigators searched Jones' house and uncovered 34 fraudulent driver's licenses, 21 fake work identification cards, and even several fraudulent airline employee badges with his photo on them. Jeez. Ooh, that's not good.
6: Mm-hmm. That's, be counterfeiting charges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Investigators
3: eventually pieced together how Jones got away with his fake luggage ploy for so long. As they found evidence, he had been using preloaded gift cards to purchase domestic flights under a fictitious identity. Jones would then fly into or out of Louis Armstrong New Orleans International Airport using a fake ID that matched the fictitious identity and then make a claim with the airline for lost luggage. In some cases, Jones was so brazen that he didn't even bother bringing a bag along with him to the airport. <laughs> even, so, wow. even so, Jones was still able to uh, somehow to obtain a checked bag ticket, which enabled him to file a lost luggage claim. Hmm. Don't God, know how he did that?
1: Don't know.
3: He submitted long lists of high value items that bumped up the claim to the maximum permitted value oh. for a domestic flight of three thousand five hundred dollars. Now
4: that I'm thinking about it, when you check in, if it's mm-hmm. one of, like the automated kiosks. half hour. Kiosks, mark
6: now. Half hour.
4: You can um, say that you're checking a bag, and it'll print out a tag for you. Oh. You don't actually have to put it on a bag.
3: Oh, that's true. Good point.
1: Wow,
7: so clever. Steph's
3: already coming up with her scheme. Anything?
7: Don't they match? Do the nah. they match? <laughs> nah,
1: I don't think Do so. They?
3: <laughs> Do they match up? And Louis is asking if they match up those tags to anything i remember a long time ago like if you checked a bag i mean there were people at the door before you left the airport terminal there used to be yeah
4: and they would they look at your claim that's been like decades ago yeah they don't do do that anymore anymore. um the only thing i think is if it generates because now it's all bar tags and uh rfids Mm -hmm. um if you generate one of those and then it never gets checked in for the flight you know if it doesn't because they're scanning that Mm -hmm. for both of these major airlines um so I don't, I don't know if that's a tip-off or a trigger that, hmm. hey, this is something doesn't add Something's up here. Something's not right. But, I mean, it could get lost before it gets scanned in, I suppose. So how are they going to mm-hmm. prove that?
3: Well, uh, during the course of his five-year fraud, Joan, Jones submitted claims totaling 550000 although airlines only paid out around 300000 So he got better than half of what? He uh, was going for.
7: Yeah, but spread over five years. It's not a huge not income. Of money. No. You'd need a second job, wouldn't you? Well, I think he did some other things as well. He yeah, treated.
4: he had 36 <laughs> fake driver's licenses. And yeah. This surely was surely yeah, was I don't know how you keep track
7: of all that.
3: Golly. Yeah. So he was sentenced to 46 months imprisonment followed by three years of supervised release. He will also have to pay restitution to the airlines to the tune of $327,451 and 61 cents. Don't forget about that 61 cents.
4: Something tells me that when this guy yes. is released from prison, he's going to try the same thing again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously.
3: Obviously. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: wow. Interesting story. Mm-hmm. All right. Updates. <clears throat> We, I believe, covered this one uh, shortly after it happened. We, we did. Um, and when was the original? Uh, May 2021? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the, a lady assaulted a Southwest flight attendant.
6: Lady. That ain't no lady.
3: And uh, let see what I have to listen to. <laughs>
4: uh, it, you know, yes, it's... Uh,
3: She's very distracting. It's not distracting. Um, anyway. Uh, you just
4: have to remember that no one else can hear
3: her. I know. Well, you can hear her I now. I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the woman who knocked out the Southwest airlines, uh, teeth, uh, (laughs) out Southwest airlines teeth. look, is that just a bad, uh, headline, terrible
4: headline. Woman who knocked out Southwest airlines teeth. It makes it sound like the airline has teeth.
3: Yeah. Well, Mm. maybe it does. Mm. Anyway, uh, ended up with a 15 month prison sentence and believe it or not, I do have some video to go along with this. So let's listen. And
2: it also gave a very emotional statement.
1: Video. Out. We're We're out.
2: This video went viral of 28-year-old Viviana canyones punching a Southwest flight attendant, pulling her hair and knocking two teeth out last year. During the flight's descent, Quinones was not wearing her face mask properly, unbuckled her seatbelt, and had her tray table down,
4: all in violation of federal rules and regulations. In a fit of rage, violently assaulted a flight attendant by punching her with a closed fist multiple times in the face and head. This behavior was reprehensible, and it will not be tolerated. Today.
3: Nope. So uh, she was taken to court and uh, was sentenced uh, 15 months in prison. They said the re- one of the reasons why it took so long to bring this case to trial is because they were oh. trying to sort out um, like a, a DUI charge or something else that she was Of course. I mean, it's never just one for. thing, right? Yeah. Doesn't
6: she pay some kind of restitution too or something? She has to
3: pay
4: $33,000 in restitution and fines as I well. I love
6: that.
7: Love hmm. that. Well, good luck. Getting that, but uh, well,
4: yeah, but hopefully, yeah, she it's get the so sad. Um,
7: you know, yeah, you can have one moment of rage that could ruin your life, you know, for yeah, just, just try, and keep, try and keep it together, folks.
3: Yeah, I understand, you know, get the frustration because you know, constantly being reminded, <laughs> you know, please, you know, make sure you're wearing your mask correctly and make sure it's over your nose. and and I guess this lady's fuse uh, just ran out and but again that's not the right way to resolve a situation when you're frustrated uh, just just follow the instructions and uh, and, and
4: and then you know be a if good you're, person. yeah if you're really upset about something maybe write a strongly worded email or letter afterwards you if know. you really
3: think you or were... just really punch um, a flight attendant in the in the face and you know if you're
4: really Keith. upset punch yourself in the face there
3: you go and, then and you know what I liked about that video there is the fact that 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 man oh got up jumped immediately up immediately yeah. and said you sit down you know you get a hold of yourself here and yeah. uh, and she tried to get back up again and he made sure that she stays stayed seated so um, you know in this day where most people wouldn't have done a darn thing and just let it happen and get even worse um, it's nice to see that somebody came came to her. Uh, rescue and,
7: and yeah or worse uh, still just got the camera out so they could make a few bucks from a video yeah
4: well in this case i think the video was very useful mm-hmm. in court. Uh,
7: oh yeah i'm not look yeah. if if you are not in a position to intervene and right. uh save this woman from a, a completely unjustified beating then yeah get something that can be used in evidence because uh, it could be very useful in the court case
3: mm-hmm. oh wait a minute oh so here's part of her defense she claimed that a that gastric band surgery caused her blood alcohol concentration to rise abnormally. Well, yeah. if you had
4: gastric band surgery and you shouldn't be drinking alcohol because of it, then
3: yeah. that's not a good defense. Or is that part of her defense for uh the drug? That was part driving. of her defense for her from oh, driving. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never mind. All right. Um, oh, here she, she sounds like an upstanding
6: honest. upstanding citizen. A very
3: fine upstanding citizen mm-hmm. for sure. She ain't no lady. She ain't no lady, Liz says. Okay, uh, let's move on to this next one. Um, kind of a tragic um, circumstance. Um, Tim Van Ram sent this in, and he said, hey, APG crew, this event is right up Nick's alley. Glad everyone escaped, escaped with their lives. Now, there were some cert, uh, serious injuries oh, yeah. mm-hmm. however, in this incident, and uh, it involved a, a two things that uh, Captain Nick loves, uh, hot air balloons and trains. And uh, this uh, happened. I was just
7: recoiling from Tim mentioning my alley. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry.
3: <laughs> yeah, we don't want to really go you know, up that personal. alley for sure. <laughs> no, for we show. definitely that do not.
7: Alley? <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I would love to. Have. I, I was itching to make a joke about this until I heard that uh, three people were seriously injured and Mm -hmm. you know may have um you know life-changing injuries in which case you know jokes may not be appropriate but uh i was looking forward to some artwork i could do for this show of a a balloon uh hooked up on a train but um not ideal but uh, you know uh if you've got power lines uh train tracks whatever um i think shouldn't you be giving them a wide berth but this bloke Apparently, uh, couldn't do that. I don't know why. Because you're supposed to be able to control the height of a balloon. That's about all you can control, can't you? Um, we so do have some. It would be nice if it. I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Nick. You were no, I was just going to say, it would, would it be nice if you had been able to just uh, float over a bit further. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
3: Uh, So let me tell you a little bit about this, and then I'm going to play a little bit of a video uh, from um, a car that uh, was kind of following the hot air balloon. Um, Let's see. Where is it? Okay. Three people uh, injured Wednesday when the hot air balloon they were in became entangled with a train in Wisconsin have been released from the hospital. Uh, Police in Burlington, Wisconsin, were called on a report of a hot air balloon that was struck by a train around 8.15 p.m., And the three victims were initially said to have suffered life-threatening injuries. You're going to have to take over again.
4: Oh, boy. All right. Uh, (laughs) Continuing on, by Thursday, the pilot and two passengers had been released from a Milwaukee area hospital, the police said in a statement. So that's good. This happened on Wednesday and they were released by Thursday. So that's that's good. Indicating that maybe their injuries weren't as severe as initially thought. Uh, The pilot told officials that as he was trying to land the aircraft... Or he was trying to land the aircraft when the gondola touched down and the balloon got entangled with a northbound Canadian National train.
6: There's the problem.
4: Uh, the problem is with the Canadians. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. There we uh, go.
3: I didn't notice that before. It
4: was. It was no. not clear how fast the train was moving. Canadian National, a freight company, thirty miles an hour. Uh, I'll tell you that. The yeah, it says that uh, in a different article. Um, or the that was what the train engineer i think was quoted as, as saying.
7: Yeah, it was five
3: below the limit yeah. or something mm-hmm. at that point. So,
4: the um, the Federal Aviation Administration said the crash involved a Cameron Balloons Z90 hot air balloon and the investigation remains ongoing. The National Transportation Safety Board said it was investigating it as an accident and a preliminary report should be finished in 2 weeks.
7: All right. And uh, Did you say it was the V90? Z Z Oh Z oh that's Zed. a really quick balloon that's uh, that's oh, one of the it? best. That's, oh, that one uh, that you yeah uh, absolutely you're brilliant of. balloon yeah okay. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, such a shame. Okay,
3: um, <laughs> now I can't always tell. But, which... Don't cry, Jeff. But I I'm I'm just a
4: he's he's very emotional he today.
3: Yeah, <laughs> is...
4: I
7: don't know. Yeah, yeah. here we go. <laughs> from the car. I can literally see them. Oh, pe- look at those power lines. That's yeah.
4: so cool.
3: So this is a car and a Don't a worry about is, us. We're
4: just chasing
6: hot air balloons.
3: His son in a car and uh, taking video of this hot air balloon. Now we're chasing
6: the
3: train too. <laughs> uh oh.
6: Right above the track. Dramatic foreshadowing.
7: It gets more dramatic. Oh, I thought I thought that was a balloon just oh. whistled. Look, I the, know. that must be the. Z90.
6: You know, you pulled like the fire trigger
9: so it could go higher.
7: What's this guy doing?
9: Watching them.
1: Oh, why is it so close to the train? It's going down. Oh,
9: we'll follow it down. Oh, yeah.
7: Uh oh. Oh, my God, I told you!
1: <gasps> yeah,
4: and that's the end of
3: it.
6: I almost Ouch.
3: wondered
4: if they were, Ouch. were they out of fuel? Were they not able to climb back up again? Don't know. I don't know. Investigation yeah, yeah. ongoing.
3: Do they, so, they do
4: inquiries for this? Sh- you're in a, you're in a balloon. Surely you can see the train directly below you. Yeah, I'm
3: wondering.
6: The if the National it, Transportation yeah. Safety Board covered trains and. Flying stuff, Yeah, I
3: think they do, yeah.
7: Oh, well. The NTSB covers oh, all that. Yeah. Yep. yep.
3: Uh, National Transportation Safety Board said it was investigating.
7: Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: What's your name again? Steph. I feel a bit sorry for I'm the Stephanie.
7: train driver because, yeah, you know, those true. guys are a <clears> hiding <throat> to nothing. If it's not a balloon flying into them, they're people committing like suicide the on the tracks away. or, or right. whatever. You know, can yeah. be quite a traumatic um, existence being a train driver. Well, right there on the uh, video, so,
3: uh, we have a picture of Bruce. Uh, Rogers uh, says that when a hot air balloon with people in it was caught in his train Wednesday evening, um, in Southeastern Wisconsin, he felt helpless. The worst thing is watching it unfold and not being able to do something about it. What Rogers says he saw was a hot air balloon caught by freight cars and dragged along the Canadian National Right-of-Way through Burlington, Wisconsin. He says the balloon's basket and the people in it went from a dead stop to 30 miles per hour. I looked through my rearview mirror. It's never going to end well. It never does, he says. Three people in the balloon were seriously injured, taken to area hospitals for treatment. And then, as we saw in a subsequent report, they were uh, released the next day uh, with not— I guess not too serious.
4: I, yeah. He said they were released.
3: So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rogers is a locomotive engineer and a railroader of 44 years with service in New Zealand on the former Wisconsin Central and now Canadian National. He was operating train M347 on the first leg of its run from Indiana to British Columbia near Burlington shortly after 8 p.m. Wednesday when he saw hot air balloons in the area. He lost sight of them, but was concerned when he saw them again. They were hovering about 200 feet above ground. He says that he slowed his train of lumber center beams to about five miles under the 35 mile per hour speed limit. Good call there, Nick, uh, near Burlington. Uh, About 10 car lengths after he passed one balloon, it touched the ground and immediately deflated. Then he started to move the train, and um, I immediately placed the train into emergency. Uh, I don't know if it helped or anything. People were still seriously injured. I hope my actions were enough to save some of their lives. By the time he was able to stop his train, the balloon's remains were about 1,500 feet back from the lead uh, locomotive, or head end, and that emergency crews were already on the scene by the time his conductor walked back to them. He says he took a day off of work on Thursday, but he uh, doesn't say that he's personally rattled by the experience. Um. what does bother him, though, are insensitive comments posted on social media about the bizarre event. Yay, social media. Yes. God. <laughs> yes. Oh, Awful. Awesome. Pity oh. people who have no idea uh, make snide comments on things they know nothing about, he wrote, in part, on Trains Magazine's Facebook page. There you go. hmm Anything else to add? Nope. I don't think so. I
7: don't say anything more now. Okay. <laughs> yes, especially on social media, media Nick. It definitely exactly. can't
4: go in the... Sh- the... That's all right. right. This is it?
7: anti-social
3: media. That's right. Anti-social media. That's my kind of media. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, it is now time for us to get to know each other. Hi. Yay. I'm Jeff.
4: Hi, I'm Stephanie. Nice to meet you. I know you forgot my name earlier,
3: but it's I, okay. Oh, I was like, I used to know her name. I. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm not 100% here. I don't know what's going on with my with my health. It's this non-alcoholic beer. This yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> There's no alcohol in this beer that I'm drinking. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. You're no, really. Thank you. It's good.
4: Uh, it's actually yeah, it's good. Yeah,
3: very good. Okay. Um, let's see. Um Who would uh, like to go first? (laughs) We hear Liz's telephone going off and a bunch of loons. Oh, I didn't
4: know what that was. I was so confused. (laughs) I've heard it. (laughs) There was like a clock, a cuckoo clock or something.
3: Yeah. Um, What have you been up to, Steph?
4: Um, I've been up to a lot of things. None of them involve flying. That doesn't um, matter. Other hobbies. Um, I was out in Utah this past weekend. Mm-hmm. and got to see all of my siblings out there and three of the four of us ran a marathon on oh. saturday uh, so that was good um very very early marathon um so i flew out thursday night on Acme. Mm-hmm. um and best out, like, flight so. ever best flight ever although <laughs> those of uh, anyone Did who's they familiar lose their luggage as Liz is wondering if they lost my luggage. No, and I did not get to make a claim for lost luggage. I'm sorry. Um, it's not too light. <laughs> it's not too late. No, I did what I typically do and tried to cram as much stuff as possible into the smallest bag possible, which is never a good idea, especially going to an event like a, mar- a marathon, because you end up with at least one more T-shirt. And then we had to go to the running store the day before because we needed more things. And I suddenly now have another pair of shoes that I may or may not have needed. Um, actually, I needed um, and now I have too much stuff for the return flight, but that's another story. Mm. Um, but I was hoping that um, because of my chosen airline to Salt Lake City, which has recently been completely redone, it's basically a brand new airport, um, that it would save me the very long walk from the farthest terminal and farthest away gates. Um, except we um, pulled into about the farthest away gate from the main exit entrance to the terminal. So that was...
3: Well, that's that's
1: typical for uh, that.
4: yeah for acme uh, dispatcher <laughs> mike arranged that for me i think thanks mike yeah, yay focusing. mike way to go <laughs> he knew i needed more exercise on this trip yeah, exactly. i wanted me to yeah. walk just a little bit farther warm you up there so um yep got in late thursday and then that's not distracting at all nick your snacks but it's fine continue um
3: or that might be what Liz, was, I think. Is that Liz? I think it was me.
4: Yeah, it's oh, Liz. Oh, okay. Me. Nick's like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs>
3: I, I, reckon, I, thought, I, thought, I recognize those sounds. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> That's got to be Liz. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not used to all these sounds in my ears. Have to, <laughs> have to. This is It'll welcome be. to my world. Fair enough.
4: Fair enough. Um, so yep, got in. Got in. Mm like nine o'clock, I think on, on Thursday evening, had a chance to, um, go get some very nice sushi mm-hmm. and, um,
3: your brother's, Yep, uh, he's a like, sushi chef. So yeah.
4: I was over at his, his place. Um, so did that and then was hoping to call it an early evening and somehow did not. So slept in the next morning, ran a bunch of errands, um, did a little shakeout run. That was Friday. Um, and then we had to go down to the expo for the marathon on Friday um, to pick up our bibs and gear and stuff. And that was uh, down in Provo. So it's about an hour away from where we were staying in Salt Lake. Um, got down there around six or so. Um, got all of our bibs and then this marathon. So it's it's warm in Utah in June. It can be warm. Um, and this race starts up in the mountains and then finishes down in one of the valleys. So there's about an 1,800-foot net elevation Loss, I think. Um, But to avoid some of that midday heat, they start the race very early. So Uh it's a 6 a.m. start to the race. But it's a point-to-point race, so they have to take you to the start so that you can then run back the 26 Uh miles. And the first bus left at 3.10 in the morning on Saturday. And they, the last bus was at 410, and they said, please don't wait for the last bus. If everyone waits for the last bus, <laughs> Not we gonna. won't have enough buses to get everyone to the start. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. So I think we left the hotel at 330. But to back up to Friday night, um, by the time we got to the expo, had dinner, um, went to the grocery store to get some food for the morning, water, Gatorade, got all of our stuff ready for the early alarm clock. It was like 10 o'clock at
3: night. And this is still in Provo. This is in Provo. At least we're and, there at like. And then you had to drive back up to Salt Lake City. No, no, did no, you no. Stay the race in Provo? is in. Yeah, the race was. in that Okay, hour, I didn't know if you so, stayed sorry. down there or not.
4: Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, we stayed. We stayed down there. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. Okay. Um, had a hotel. Um, where the bus was supposed to pick up, but then they changed the bus pickup to like a block away, but still it was, it was pretty convenient. Um, so yeah, thankfully we didn't have to wake up at like one o'clock in the morning to get down to the bus. That would have
1: hmm.
4: don't even bother going to bed at that point. I think. Right. Um. But had a very very nice race. It actually did get quite warm at the the end as we got down into the valley and lower elevation. Um, but the start was was really nice. It's really pretty. It's through the mountains and, and canyons. Um, nice views of Mount Timpanogus the whole time.
3: Um, was it up and down or
4: mostly down? There were some uphill in the middle. Okay. Um, not terrible uphills, but just enough to kind of mess with you a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're expecting this nice downhill course, and then there's this but
3: downhill kind of can be challenging downhill is well, downhill right? is
4: tough. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Um, a lot of eccentric, um, uh, muscle contraction.
3: Um, I was going to say that.
4: Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was a good race. Um, we all did well and then cool. had a nice time just catching up the rest of the weekend. It was the, um, Utah pride festival, which is actually a pretty big deal in Salt Lake city. So we went to the parade on, on Saturday and then, um, my brother's others, my other brother's, uh, bar slash restaurant hosted a drag show in the evening. So we enjoyed that as well. Oh, I love drag racing. A little different.
3: Oh, not, not the same? <laughs> not the same. Okay.
4: <laughs> um, yeah, it was a fun weekend. And then took the red eye back, and I'm still quite tired. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and then I went straight to work on Monday morning from the red eye.
3: That was that awesome. That seems pretty typical. Yeah. Uh, something you would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, you, it figures that, uh, you know, the pride and the drag and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints, Jesus Christ. The Mormons. Mormons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It all, yeah it all that all, works. that all fits yeah mm-hmm. makes sense yeah. not really okay it's a little counterintuitive but it's yeah. uh don't go there jeff I' I've already gone there thank, thank you liz <laughs> I'll shut up
4: no I bring it up purposely because
3: it's most yeah. people don't realize
4: you know that's a kind mm-hmm. of a big deal and it's it's a really nice event and a nice weekend so it was fun to experience yeah I understand I
3: acme not. was uh acme was well the, represented yes. With a with a drink card with
4: a, with a in drink the parade, in the parade, and a tug, and um, I scored a free luggage tag and some Biscoff cookies and oh, yeah, um, some of the little plastic wings, pilot wings that they give to kids. Ah,
6: <laughs> giving away lost luggage. Okay, some lost luggage. Lost luggage. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, she saw Pernell <laughs> running yeah, down yeah. with yeah. lost luggage. <laughs> he
4: was just giving away random things.
7: <laughs> All right, very good, uh, Captain Nick. How have you been, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, well, um, we had the Jubilee weekend, so that has been full of uh, celebrations and oh, yeah. lots Good going deal. on around the country here in the UK, um, celebrating uh, 70 years of uh, the Queen's uh, reign. And uh, so we had a street party um and uh, enjoyed that very much. But, of course, it ate up a lot of time, so I struggled a bit to get a plain towel done this week. I only finished it at lunchtime um, today. Um, But apart from that, uh, yeah, the bowls is going fine uh, and uh, not been knocked out of anything yet, which is uh, kind of good news so far. Um, And uh, that's been about my week, really. Bowling, wet weather, um and street parties, so oh actually good fun, good fun,
3: excellent. And I'm going to throw uh, Liz a curve, and I'm going to bring her. By the way, your Liz, your audio is now going to the stream, even though you're not in it um, in the video. Why? Uh, because I'm going to ask you how how's everything going with you? Uh, what have you been up to?
6: You wanted me to tell me about my dog park incident.
3: Oh. That's interesting. You want to come in on the uh, video to tell
6: us about that? I guess. Yeah, come on. Give you the abridged version.
3: Okay.
7: A little more vo- volume, please. Can't hear Liz. Oh, she's well. going to come in on the
3: video, and then we'll be able to hear her just fine. Maybe not. Maybe she's just going. Ah, yeah, there here she I am.
1: Is. Sorry, I, I,
6: I just <laughs> wanted to mute myself over on clean feed. Okay, so uh, most days I take my dog Poppy to an off-leash dog park near me, so she can have a good run around. So, I think it was, is that better? That's good. Is that better? Anyway, um, I think it was a week ago Sunday, I went down to the dog park, and the dog park isn't particularly busy. Anyway, I pulled up, uh, there was a guy there that I didn't see when I initially pulled up. He came out sort of from behind some trees, and he yelled something at me. He was quite a long way away, and I didn't know what he said, so... I yelled back and sort of said, what did you say? Oh, yeah, he had a big dog on a leash in the off-leash dog park. And I thought, okay, Mm. something's weird here. But anyway, so I yelled back, what did you say? And I don't know what he thought I said, but he started to run down the hill with his dog and yell and scream and shout profanities at me. And I thought his very vicious dog was going to go over the fence at me. And it was pretty scary. Anyway, this guy talking about having a short fuse, I mean, uh, he just went crazy and I must admit, I did talk back to him a bit, which I shouldn't have done. I should have just de-escalated and left immediately, but I didn't. But anyway, I finally decided that was the best course of events. So I took Poppy back over to the car, put her in the car. I got in the car. He came after me and started to pound on my windows and screech and yell at me. Oh, my gosh. And I said I was calling the police. and mm-hmm. he This really upset me. He said... Started to laugh and he said, I am the police and you're gonna have charges against you or something. And I thought, Oh boy, you know, like Uh like is this real? Mm -hmm. What's going on here?
3: Mr. Policeman.
6: Anyway, I should have called 911 at that point, but I just kind of wanted to get away from him. Sure. So I start started the car up and started to drive away, and he ran back over to his pickup truck and started to follow me. And that was pretty concerning. Uh Now I have to give him credit on two things. He never unleashed his vicious dog at me, which could really have hurt me and or my dog. Thank God. And I was worried he was going to be one of those kind of guys that started to bump into my car or something. Anyway, um, I started to drive toward home, and then I sort of thought, I don't want him to see where I live. Mm -mm. So I drove up the street, and I just pulled over to the curb, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do at that point. And I guess he... Decided, to thought better of it, and he just drove past me and got on a, a road over to. The- anyway, it was a very. Sh- I was very shaken by the whole thing, and I did actually come home and call the police, and reported it because I didn't know what the scoop was, and I had a policeman call me later in the day. And he was very reassuring that I had done the right thing, although he did say you should have called 911. But he did tell me the guy wasn't a pol- – oh, yes, I was able to get a picture of his license plate number, which okay. was very helpful. I was going oh, well to ask you if you were to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: Well, that which enraged him even more because he saw me doing that. Of but course. anyway, I don't care. Anyway, but luckily the police officer said to me they knew who he was. They were going to talk to him. Did I want to press charges? And I said no because I don't ever want to see this person again. But he just basically said you should have called nine one one, and if you ever see him again, I had never seen him before, thank goodness, and I have not seen him since. But anyway, it was it was a it was a unpleasant event. So,
7: well, we don't like those, do we? That's no. not good. No. Feel for you. Was list. he a Canadian? Yeah,
6: it was. I don't think so because he, okay. he kept saying "yeehaw." <laughs> <laughs> so no. he,
7: he couldn't be a Canadian. He wouldn't so have passed Canadian the test. Come much. on. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
4: not nice enough definitely not friendly. anyway so that wasn't apologetic that's a, enough
7: no <laughs> no he
6: definitely didn't say sorry at all uh, i'm
7: sorry about suspect. this but i'm gonna have to shout that. you.
6: that's right yeah exactly.
7: <laughs> i do apologize anyway, uh, other
6: than that everything's fine
7: <laughs>
4: well i'm glad you're so. okay and i'm glad it wasn't any scarier yeah, than it actually was yeah I'm glad but you're i like
6: masseuse's Mazuz's comment was, Are you sure it wasn't an APG fan? <laughs> <asking for> an <laughs> <article>? <laughs> <laughs> might have been. Sadly, I don't have think been. so. No, don't no, <laughs>
1: anyway, oh, very funny. Here's for you now. do have aggressive
3: fans, that's for sure, Mazooz, but mm-hmm. maybe not quite that aggressive. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, looks like Liz has just pulped back out of our video. Um. Thank you, Liz. Uh, it was, uh, well, I was going to say it was nice getting caught up with you, but uh, that was a horrible story. Right. We're so uh, sorry you had to go through that.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, I guess it's my turn. Not really, not a lot going on with uh, Jeff, although I did move out of the cabin. And I tell you what, I thought that I didn't have bring up that much stuff to the cabin, but I. a lot more than you, you know, thought. A lot more than I thought. And, uh, yeah. You're
4: really going to have to pare down for I
3: know. I I don't know what RV I'm going to do. I'm going to, yeah, or get a bigger storage unit.
4: <laughs> no, no. Just let it, go. let
3: it go. I know. I know. So uh, I'm, I'm going to let it let go. Stuff. But anyway, there was a lot of cleaning to do back in that back covered uh, screen and porch that uh, I basically had never, <laughs> I envisioned. All these parties, and I was even looking at, you know, like some portable hot tub to oh, yeah. put back there nice. a little the bit. And just you know, in my mind, thinking of all these just wonderful experiences I was going to have. And I, I hardly ever walked out there the the entire Aww. ten months I was there. And uh, and the only uh, the only visitor that I had in in other than myself in the cabin was the contractor and the painters doing the painting back in like September. Hmm. Of uh, that
7: no one bed. else ever showed it, and he no. didn't want to use the hot tub. Well, I didn't I didn't get a hot tub.
4: <laughs> it's like I thought there was going to be a hot tub here. I'm well, really disappointed
3: actually. Uh, uh, anyway, so uh the all the cleaning and all the all the layers of uh, you know, the pollen.
4: Oh, I uh, know. I'm
3: familiar with yes. pollen. Yes. Uh, the pollen is just When the pollining happens, it's a thing. it's just like a like a thick layer of if you if you don't get to it right away and keep up with it, it just becomes a mess. And I just kicked up all that pollen and everything else. And I think that's exactly what is causing my problem right now with my uh, my throat. Uh, Do you need another typically? I might. Okay. Uh, yeah, Get I've, I've gone drink. through one already. But anyway, IPA, sour or go sour? I would, um, whatever you think. I'm going to just surprise Wait. me. Surprise. Anyway, uh, I'm on a uh, trip right now. Uh, left. It's a four day trip. I left on uh, Monday, and uh, after doing some singing over the weekend. And uh, let's see. The first night we were in somewhere. I just can't recall where.
1: <laughs>
3: it wasn't here. It wasn't here. Oh, The first leg was here to Charlotte. And then we ended up in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, they're having a big um, music, uh, country music um, channel, uh, country awards? music awards and fan fest and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really a busy place. Lots of people in the hotels and... In the downtown area, and at the at the barbecue uh, joint that we went to, my first officer and I had a good time. Uh, next day, we ended up in Minneapolis downtown, and um, that was eh, was okay. And then uh, today, just two legs uh, from Minneapolis to Detroit, and then here, and got in uh, right around well about eleven thirty before noon, and. Uh, I get to choose from Mm -hmm. two items here, all the fruit, fruited, sour, or the Goza. Goza? Yeah. Does does, does this Goza with my shirt?
4: It does. I bought it because it's called the Downwinder.
3: So have like, you tried the ghost? I have not. I haven't no, tried I any of these. No, I know you like goes.
4: I haven't tried any of these. I was actually going to try this one. Okay. <laughs> so so we're I'll good. do the ghost.
3: Okay. Very good. Thank you.
4: And if it sucks, I don't care. Dump it out and get a different one.
3: No, it's going to be great. Okay. Where is the Athletic Brewing Company I
4: don't from? know. But I can get it delivered in the mail. Okay. But not to the state of South Carolina, which is odd because it's non-alcoholic. So I had to have it delivered to my office. Okay. <laughs> which is not South
3: Oh, Carolina. Uh, Stratford, Stratford Connecticut. Connecticut. and San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then uh, so I'm here in Charlotte and then tomorrow morning, um, early, really early, one leg back home to Atlanta and then I'm finished for the, uh, so it's like a kind of like a three and a half day trip. It's, you know, I get paid for a four day trip, but it's nice and easy. weather's been good weather has been really good we've avoided all the you know the united states is a big country and there's some nasty weather out uh in the in the midwest and um in the plains and even uh in texas and uh all those areas of the country and uh, we just kind of managed to Avoid all our routes and our different flights. Just kind of avoided all those areas of nastiness. Yeah, and we've the, had
4: some very mild kind of pop up showers today. Nothing crazy though. Yeah. This afternoon,
3: we met it in Nashville. They had some weather that moved through overnight when mm-hmm. we were there on our layover, and then that continued down over this direction. I think it hit. I think Atlanta got hit by some. Pretty oh, Atlanta had weather. some pretty
4: strong weather. A days ago. Monday night, because yeah. a bunch of. Um, International inbound flights ended up here. Oh,
3: ended up diverting. Uh, There was a Qatar
4: 777, an Air France 777, and I think an Acme 75 all ended up here in Charlotte. The local plane spotters were quite excited. All a that. lot of pictures yeah. on the Facebook
3: group. You know, the thing is, uh, so much and well, so much with life, but especially in aviation, timing is everything. <laughs> and yeah. had great timing on this trip so far, and I think that I'm going to make it back to Atlanta before it gets uh, rainy, nasty mm-hmm. weather tomorrow stormy tomorrow.
4: So. And if anyone wonders why people here would be excited about those aircraft, because we don't get anything other than really American Airlines mm-hmm. most of the time, occasional yes. Acme, occasional yeah. Southwest
3: about
6: it cover art all
3: cover right art. cover art from our last episode uh episode number five two three uh our resident artist uh, came up with um an interesting um <laughs> concept uh i love Bo- boeing which is the and he spelled it the uh the actual proper german way uh, the german way uh, or austrian is it austrian or german or both i don't know but um Anyway, uh the bow the O with the umlaut umlaut and uh an old car. Now why did you choose the O because of the uh the bo- Boeing, the springs popping Yeah, out the... you you've
7: made a great thing of doing the spring noises, Jeff. Yeah. So yeah. I mm. thought an old yeah. car with springs boinging out of it would be suitable. Mm-hmm. And then I thought a, a bumper sticker. Would be nice, mm-hmm. uh, very nice. I sticker. love Boeing, mm-hmm. and of course we had the ladies that love uh, Boeing fuselages. Uh, so yep. there's mm-hmm. an, fuselages. a lady holding a nice Boeing yeah, fuselage, like uh, the yes.
3: fuselage forward of the
7: where the wing box
3: would be uh, in form. Yeah, so absolutely. That's exactly, that's exactly what the look I was anything from. else. And the
6: uh, <laughs> yeah. the show number is a
7: wingless <laughs> fuselage. A show uh-huh. there. It's on the, the tire. And did you did you find the show number? Yeah, uh, it's on the tire. Yep, it's on the tire yeah well done Yeah, yep yeah. very nice it's uh, on the writing on the tire I just thought it was a really nice uh, picture actually a lovely old yeah. uh, I don't know what it was perhaps a, a model A or something this a like Ford it definitely
3: yeah, I love the way you uh, were able to do the extruded uh, text on the tire to match the original. Yeah, <laughs> uh, It looked like it was uh, actually... I
4: was actually... I, I'm like, I just don't know enough about how Photoshop or Adobe or any of those, or whatever program you're using works to do that type of stuff.
7: Yeah, it's Photoshop. Actually, Photoshop. I was lucky. Um, I uh, Most of the letters were uh, already on the tire... In one place or another, so uh, I just, had to so I just cut and paste to put gotcha. them in there. I had to turn a number five into a three, but I did that mm-hmm. su- reasonably successfully. Anyway, um, that was it. And and the uh, reason uh, we we went for uh, that in particular was, um, uh, or am I confusing myself with the previous one? No, don't worry about it. That's fine. <laughs> okay, that's why I did that. Okay. After. <laughs> Excellent. Uh oh, dear. Coffee fun. Yes. Yes. Um, I just found a peanut that I dropped five minutes ago, and it's now stuck in between my toes. Yeah, I was,
4: I was confused because you were also <laughs> eating. Eat Five-second rule, or it's good to eat? Five-minute rule.
7: No, not when it's been between my toes. I'm no, no, no. <laughs> 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 it in my mouth. It's your, toes. it's your
3: toe. It's your toe. It's your germs. Somebody it's else's your... toes, maybe. Yeah,
7: not. but I know where my toes have been. Oh.
4: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Get that finger out of your ear. You don't know where that finger is. <laughs> yes,
3: it's been in my ear. Johnny,
6: how much you smoke
3: coffee? Go bang! Okay. I love coffee.
0: I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A
1: cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. A cup, a cup.
3: Oh, yeah. That's... Jeff Smith, speaking of Nashville, that's where he lives, uh, who is doing our jingle, uh, the the coffee fund, uh, the APG Coffee Fund Java Jive. So thank you very much, uh, Mr. Jeff Smith. Um, So the coffee fund is your way to support the show financially. A couple different ways to do that. One is called the Coffee Fund Classic Method, and that's essentially the way for you to make a... One-off or every once in a while kind of a donation so you don't have to sign up for uh, Patreon uh, to be a patron. And uh, since the last episode, we have Richard Adams and Mazus Karim. And uh, Mazuz room. is in the uh, chat room with us today, our live audience. Also, just a reminder... Um, You can make recurring um, contributions, donations via the old-school Coffee Fund Classic method, but uh, we'd prefer you to become a patron of the show via Patreon. And since the last episode, no new patrons.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, but uh, that's okay. We got a bunch of them over there, and uh, they are wonderfully supportive of us. So we do appreciate that. So if, hey, you want to become a patron or part of our Coffee Fund Cadre, please head over to airlinepilotguide.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did, and we will too, for sure. Do
6: either one of you
3: need a bio break at this particular point? Need a bio break? I'm good. No? Okay. I think I'm I'm okay too. And I is Nick already taken advantage of yeah, he's the coffee in the fund? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's, back. he's back. Look at that. All right. Well, just good in time. Perfect timing.
4: Timing is everything.
3: Here we go. <laughs> Captain. Incoming message. Feedback. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. But, I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have some timely feedback. Uh, well, actually, it's not really time. It's sort of timely. <laughs> we talked about this on the last episode. Brad Nunn, uh, who was at the uh, Charlotte uh, meetup a couple of weeks ago, uh he sent this in for us to discuss and we got around to discussing it last week but then we thought as we were discussing it that perhaps this might be something to talk about with Captain Nick because this involved an Airbus A350 a French B never even heard of that airline a French B A350 incident uh that happened and essentially uh, the they were uh, Nick. Did you have a chance to uh, take a look at this to see what the story oh, yes, was? Yes, I regarding did, Jeff.
7: It? I I read it through. There's quite a lot to take on board. Yeah, um, there's a lot of things that happened in this particular flight. But please go ahead and describe it. Yeah, I was trying to recall exactly why we thought that having
3: an Airbus pilot
4: because we didn't know about the. Hold on. There was something with the wind shear warnings, the predictive wind shear.
7: Uh huh. Um, they're they're pretty common between uh, both Boeing yeah. and uh, there Airbus. Was specific, uh, so predictive though. wind shear requires a standard go around. When you get a wind shear warning that you're in wind shear, you do a wind shear go around, which is slightly different. Um, but I mean, and the weather didn't didn't suit. Uh, from what I could see, it didn't look like it had um conditions that would have given rise to a wind shear um mind you there are tempo um three thousand feet and scattered towering queue so that could have done it and there's also uh, you know 15 knots of gust so you know it's, it's possible but uh, I think wind shear had definitely caught the uh, handling pilot out it was the first officer I think
3: okay I think it had something to do with yeah. uh, the fact that the co-pilot had clicked off the autopilot after, what, an 11-hour flight all the way from San Francisco, which is probably not typical, um, especially after a very long flight. But I guess the first officer wanted to get some practice in, some hand flying, uh, manual flight, and for the most part, was relatively nice weather. Um and uh, I think it had something to do with the um, manual controls and the and the flight directors and something. I don't know. I wish I'd written down exactly what. Well, the the description
7: is that specific
4: question, and now I can't remember what the specific question was. I am trying to reread okay, it. Okay,
7: what do you think about it? I don't think he about it. he um, or the the first officer um, was hand flying the airplane when it came time uh, to do a go-around, um, because they'd had this wind shear ahead warning, um, uh, forgot that they were hand-flying the airplane. Uh, mm-hmm. How you do that, I'm not certain, but um, certainly if you're in a really stable approach, in other words, you've got things absolutely squared away and you're flying a beautiful, you barely touch the side stick. And if you're barely touching the side stick, it's not like I've seen you know see some guys with a yoke, they're thrashing it around like uh, they're at, in the gym. Um, you know, you can you can just give it the gentlest of of nudges to keep the airplane We've seen on the track. Video. You know, of the uh, the way you (laughs) I believe we saw one of those today. Uh, Not my video. uh, (laughs) No, no, the bus drivers, you know, the truck drivers.
4: The truck drivers. Oh, yeah. The ones like (laughs) driving a manual transmission truck. It's like, this is the Boeing driver. It's like.
7: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) exactly right. Well, that's kind of it. You're using your fingertips. And that is that is the idea. You do not want to grip the stick hard because <laughs> you know it's sensitive. <laughs> so you you hold it with your fingertips. <laughs> or do you? Um, and uh, you know, I, I guess it's possible that you could you could forget that you need to do something with it sure in a go around any anyway. Uh, f- put, fired up the throttles to toga, which is going to give you an enormous amount of thrust on a on a three fifty. Uh, but then didn't do anything about the, the rest of the go around, which is pitching, expecting this the autopilot, which was not connected, uh, to do it for you. So um, that was a problem. So the airplane's just going to accelerate like nothing that on earth. Hell. It's going to be straight out of the chocks, you know, mm. and go leaping ahead. And that apparently caused so much of a shock uh, to this poor pilot that um, they kind of froze and took very little part in the um subsequent Decided uh, to check it for a while it, yeah it did except for perhaps reaching across and putting the air brakes out which yeah. caused the captain who was by now handling the, the aircraft an enormous problem because when you put the air brakes out um, particularly in if you started raising the flaps in you're in flap 1 and flap 2 um, vls will rise very atomic. quickly um, so VLS is the uh, the sort of uh, margin of, um, uh, it's your margin between, it stands for VLS. Uh, oh, it's the lowest selectable, something selectable uh, speed. Uh, Slowest VLS, velocity, lowest, lowest selectable. Yeah. So in other words, you can't select into this amber bar, which leaps up from the bottom because it's your protection from stalling uh, or getting too slow. Anyway, um, if you pull lots of uh, speed brake, which effectively putting barn doors up across the wings, yeah, the airplane's going to go, well, you've suddenly put me very close to the stall now. Put those away and I'll be fine. But <laughs> pull them out. This is not a good idea right now. Uh, and of course, the protections, if you get into it, the protections start to take effect, which you do not really want to do in the middle of a go around. This, combined with a very low level off two thousand feet, uh, and the fact that the captain is now working like a one-armed paper hanger, trying to get everything under control. I mean, they ballooned through their, um, their level off altitude. Uh, the first officer did some odd things, and uh, including engaging an autopilot without the captain's command. Uh, on the suggestion of the third pilot, who was sitting on the jump seat, um, which caused the captain to, uh, I think, quite correctly say, <laughs> "I forget what his actual phrase okay. was." I can't. I there was I'm some looking sort of
4: expletive. for <laughs> Wasn't? No, there wasn't. Well,
7: it, it was. Be- oh yeah, here he, here it was. Everybody silent. I'm the only one giving orders. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> which I think I mean, absolutely direct, right. Clear. Let's just establish <laughs> the chain of command here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, it, I, I mean, I've seen go rounds uh, go from, you know, uh, just the, the initial bit where you you put the power on, you pitch the airplane, and get it going around. The next bit, the clean up, uh, can sometimes be an absolute disaster, particularly when uh, you're expecting because uh, you've looked at the approach plate. Uh, say somewhere like JFk and it might be three or four thousand feet, so you've got that dialed in to your uh, altitude, expecting your go around to level up there, and air traffic say something really clever like level at two thousand and turn left heading zero nine zero, and all of a sudden you're going what uh expecting a reasonable climb and time to get your poop in the pile. now you've suddenly got a Uh, a very quick level off and of course with all that power on the airplane is going to accelerate through your flap limiting speeds very quickly all the clangers are going to go off and uh, you're going to be trying to slow the airplane down now whereas a moment ago you were trying to accelerate it away turns into a bit of a nightmare uh so yeah uh, not a good situation not a good situation at all, no. Uh, and uh, a, a big learning curve for a, a one particular pilot. The captain, I thought, did a reasonable job considering yeah. what was suddenly thrown at him.
3: Well, I now I'm, I'm, I'm seeming to recall um, why we held this over uh, to hear you describe how to activate the uh, control um, the controls uh, in the cockpit of an Airbus. But the other thing is um, the uh, fact that it took. The Captain, like fifty seconds after they went through two thousand feet to actually take control of the aircraft, we thought that was kind of
7: that almost was a he minute.
4: snoozing too,
3: yeah, that just seems like it yeah was i'm quite I'm wondering what was
7: going i'd love to <clears throat> I'd love to have heard whether he was trying to coach the first officer mm-hmm. mm. into um taking the appropriate actions. Uh, or whether he was distracted by all the things he has to do. Right. Like, he's actually moving all the cleanup levers. So he's lifting the gear and moving the flap and making radio calls. It's actually a busy, very busy time for both of you. So he may not actually have been paying that much attention because when you're moving flaps, you're actually not looking at the flight instruments anymore. You're looking at the flap, pubney indications to make sure that it's gone to the right position. And it could be some seconds before you look back in. You're trusting the guys flying the airplane right. to fly the airplane.
3: Yeah.
7: And you're making frequency changes, perhaps. I don't know exactly why. And all of a sudden he's but, like, uh,
3: you know, where, where is everybody here? How come, why is nobody helping me? Why am <laughs> yeah. I doing everything? I, I, this is crazy. <laughs> exactly. and he's probably thinking, I wish that I had not said go around <laughs> You'd probably think because he did have the <laughs> well, option yeah. of not doing it in this situation, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. as you yeah. said. For, for,
7: for wind shear ahead, you, you do, particularly if the conditions are particularly benign and there's no real, uh, reason to suspect that it, it is a real go around. Um, I mean, I would generally speaking, always go around because that's, you know, the kit has told you and the kit's pretty good. Um, but, and the answer is you should always be ready for a go-around. And mm-hmm. you can always go around. So, huh? yeah. I think I've heard that somewhere.
3: Have you? Yeah. i familiar.
4: <laughs> really familiar.
3: Okay, Jeff, well.
6: We've just got a little bit over half an hour till Nick wants to that's check That's probably out. enough on that. I don't it? know how soon <laughs> you want to do the plane tail. Okay.
3: Uh, control room is uh, communicating with us here about uh, perhaps moving up uh, the normal spot or slot that we uh, have for uh, this week's uh, installment of the old pilot's plane tales, and that way we can play it and we can discuss it after it is finished. And then Captain Nick can leave us and get some
7: sleep. Oh, um, yeah. Can you not look at my complexion? I need beauty sleep.
4: You need sun. Do you see mm-hmm. Jeff and I compared to you? <laughs> yes. We're, we're, we're <laughs> uh, no, I,
7: I, well, topping That's just the way my camera is adjusted.
1: Mm-hmm. Ah, I see.
7: Okay. Yeah. Well, you've got one of those Californian cameras. It must be. <laughs> all right. I, I I've got a slightly red-nosed drunk camera. Oh.
3: okay. Would is that like is some, that a special order?
4: Would you like some non-alcoholic? <laughs>
7: yes, uh,
3: very expensive. <laughs> okay. Um, well, without further ado, is is that all right with you, uh, Captain Nick? We uh, go ahead and play oh, your okay. wonderful um, playtable. Uh, uh, whatever you want, Jeff. Okay. Well, uh, this week's installment is entitled The Wing That Broke Jack Northrop Here we go, take it away Old Pilot
7: The Old Pilot's Plane Tales The Wing That Broke Jack Northrop Arguably one of the most talented and innovative aircraft developers of his time John Nudson Northrop had long sought an aircraft design that could start a revolution a craft with a minimum of drag and a level of lift unachievable in any other form. The flying wing design, he felt, would do the job since it ensured that all the weight of the aircraft contributed to the creation of lift, something a conventional aircraft with a tail structure would always fail to do, and the lack of fuselage and tail would result in lower parasitic drag. His concept wasn't new, but where others had failed, he was sure he could succeed and develop an aircraft that would take the world by storm. Jack, as John Northrop was usually known, pursued his dream of building a pure flying-wing strategic bomber that would exceed the capabilities of anything else his less imaginative competitors were designing. The concept was far from new, but no one had yet taken it through to a successful conclusion, although many had tried. The idea of a true flying wing aircraft originated in Europe. Experiments by Otto Lilienthal, the German considered the father of the glider, had an impact on those who would follow. And Igo Etrich of Czechoslovakia is considered the first to fly one in 1909. His aircraft, shaped like an elliptical seed, had stability issues, so eventually a tail was fitted, which rather defeated the object. The dream of most flying wing designers was to mimic the perfection and control of birds, particularly seabirds like the wandering albatross, which have achieved the ability to fly for long periods without the need to expend energy. Several other aircraft builders, such as Dunn and Junkers, tried and failed to achieve a practical flying wing design, but most found stability and control problems that could only be solved with a fin and usually a tail section as well. In 1919, Jack Northrop joined the Douglas and Lockheed companies, then called Lockheed, In his spare time with a colleague, he worked on a flying wing glider, but was discouraged by the company from doing so, so in 1929 he left to form his own company, Avion, where he could follow his dreams. After a difficult start, he was forced to sell, but then with the backing of Donald Douglas, he formed the Northrop Corporation, which built a number of successful conventional aircraft. However, Northrop continued to pursue his goal of building a true flying wing, and before long, he had constructed experimental number one. But, like other designers' earlier efforts, this prototype couldn't fly without a boom tail holding a horizontal stabilizer and rudders. He knew that a true flying wing was possible because the Horton brothers in Germany had succeeded in building true tailless gliders, a story I covered in an earlier tale. During the early stages of the war, with German troops marching over most of Europe and into Russia, the US government had become increasingly concerned with obtaining new aircraft designs that might counter the threat that Nazi Germany posed. Seeing the distinct possibility of the British being defeated and having to conduct a transatlantic war without that convenient island-to-base aircraft, the US Army wanted a super bomber that could carry enough fuel and bombs for a non-stop flight to Germany and back. Northrop took on the challenge and designed the XB-35. The Army was so intrigued with the plans that it agreed to fund the development of two XP-35 experimental prototype aircraft with a possible follow-up contract for 200 more. They also funded the one-third scale versions that would be required during development. Jack succeeded in designing his first truly practical flying wing, the N1M, a testbed that proved his concept was feasible. The first test flight took place in December 1942. Production of the XB-35 was gearing up and the pressure was on Northrop for the next scaled version, the N9M, to perform. He was concerned about the aircraft's lack of lateral stability, a concern that turned out to be genuine. The prototype tended to move irregularly about its lateral axis. Another problem was with the aircraft's stall characteristics. Being a swept wing design, it tended to stall first at the wingtips. Not only did that cause aileron authority to be lost, but it also lost elevator authority because those control surfaces were combined into elevons. The stalls were unpredictable and dangerous the N9M could suddenly pitch up or just slide off to one side and enter a spin. The aircraft claimed its first casualty in May 1943 with the death of test pilot Max Constant. An investigation found that the machine had suffered from control reversal and in the resulting steep spin the control column had been forced against his chest preventing him from parachuting to safety. One of the problems Northrop faced included the lack of mathematical calculations that could establish the dynamic stability of his designs. In this area, he sought the assistance of Dr. Theodore von Kármán, one of the world's leading authorities on aerodynamics who taught at the California Institute of Technology. Von Kármán's expertise proved invaluable, What would have taken Northrop's engineers three days to calculate, he could complete in less than an hour using his new equations and a blackboard. At the same time, Jack Northrop was trying to develop a fighter jet, an aircraft called the XP-79. That also used the flying wing concept. It was an unusual aircraft, in that the pilot lay in the prone position— to help counter the effects of G-forces, especially when turning or pulling out of a dive. The plan was to use two 2,000-pound thrust aerojet rockets to power the XP-79, but in the event they were powered by two Westinghouse 19B axial flow turbojets. The aircraft had two small tail fins added for stability. The first one never flew, the second aircraft... The XP 79A was redesignated a rocket assisted glider and named the MX 324. It was towed into the air by a Lockheed P 38 Lightning and on July 5, 1944, became America's first ever rocket powered aircraft. With a wingspan of thirty-eight feet and a length of fourteen feet, it was constructed from heavy welded magnesium wings to be used for ramming if its four-point-five-inch machine guns had not done the job. The turbojet-powered XB-79A series had a design top speed of five hundred and twenty-six miles an hour and a range of up to nine hundred and ninety. Miles, Unfortunately, its first and last flight was on September 12, 1945. Whilst performing a slow roll 15 minutes into the flight, for unknown reasons, test pilot Harry Crosby lost control. The nose dropped, and the rolls continued, with the aircraft impacting in a vertical spin. The pilot had bailed out, but was struck by part of the aircraft, and he fell to his death. Shortly thereafter, the project was cancelled. It was the only aircraft in US history specifically designed for ramming. Finally, early in 1942, design work on the XP-35 itself began in earnest. Unlike conventional aircraft, truly tailless flying wings don't have a rudder for lateral control, Instead, a set of clamshell-like double-split flaps called flapperons, a portmanteau of flap and aileron, on the trailing edge of the wings were used instead. When roll inputs are made, the flapperons are deflected up or down as a single unit, just like an aileron. When a rudder input is made... The two surfaces on one side split open, top and bottom spreading apart, creating drag and yawing the aircraft. When wanted, both sets of flaperons can be deployed creating drag-like air brakes so that the airspeed or glide angle can be altered. A fuselage-like crew cabin was to be embedded inside the wing. The design included a tail cone protruding from the trailing edge which would contain the remote sighting stations for the bombers, gunners, and a cluster of rear-firing machine guns. In the midsection of the cabin, there were folding bunks for off-duty crew on long missions. The aircraft's bomb load was to be carried in six bomb bays, three in each wing section, fitted with roll-away doors, although the original design precluded the carrying of large bombs such as the early atomic weapons. Production aircraft would have defensive armament of 20.5-inch machine guns or 20mm cannon, carried in six turrets along the aircraft's centerline, four above and below the wings, and four in the tail cone. In June 1946, the XP-35 made its first flight, a 45-minute trip to Murok Dry Lake without incident. The XP-35's engines and propellers were Army Air Force property and had not been tested for compatibility by either Pratt & Whitney, Hamilton Standard, or by the Army. Reports and correspondence tell of three or four flights when power plant and propeller vibrations increased and the very efficient contra-rotating propellers began failing with frustrating frequency. In meetings, no agency would accept responsibility. The Army also refused to allow Northrop's proposed modification of the bomb base to carry the standard Mark Three atomic bomb, whilst at the same time declaring that they wouldn't buy the bomber unless it could carry the A-bomb. Problems with the propeller shafts got worse until Jack Northrop himself grounded the XP-35s until the government fixed their propulsion system. As a solution, some aircraft were fitted with single props, with a severe loss of performance, and then the army ordered Northrop to convert a pair of the aircraft to accommodate eight Allison turbojets. As a result, the airframe promptly flew to more than 40,000 feet and topped 520 miles an hour, 840 kilometres per hour, in flight tests, verifying the XP-35 airframe's aerodynamics, but at the price of range by using the thirsty jet engines. The prompt version had a design range capable of reaching targets 4,000 miles 6,400 kilometres away, but the jet engine version's range was cut nearly in half. This disqualified it for the Air Force's top priority mission as a strategic bomber, which at the time meant striking at the USSR's industrial and military complexes in the Ural Mountains. The Air Force itself involved in a confusion of rank and job changes eventually cancelled the XB-35 project whilst continuing to test the airframe as the jet-powered XB-49. The second XB-35 converted to an XB-49 all-jet airframe crashed after an Air Force test pilot pulled the outer wing panels off at 4.8 g during stall tests. The first completed all its stall and spin tests satisfactorily, but was destroyed by a fire after the nose gear collapsed during a high-speed taxi test with full fuel tanks, which then leaked. A third XP-35 was converted to jet power, with four engines mounted inside the wing and a pair of podded jets slung underneath. It was to be a long-range reconnaissance aircraft. After only a few months, without explanation, the Air Force cancelled its order for thirty, and the last of Northrop's big flying wings sat abandoned near the edge of the airfield for two years before being finally ordered scrapped on the first of december nineteen fifty three in front of Northrop and his devoted workers. The aircraft were broken up, jigs destroyed, and blueprints thrown into a bonfire. The design of the Flying Wing had been Northrop's passion, and its failure to be selected as the next-generation bomber platform and the subsequent destruction of the prototypes and incomplete aircraft was a severe blow to him. In 1952, he retired at the age of 57 and virtually ended his association with the company that bore his name. However, In 1979, he finally broke his decades-long silence on the matter, alleging a conspiracy within government centred around the then Air Force Secretary, Stuart Symington. With a mind that appeared as sharp, as on the day he retired, he recalled an interview between Symington and himself. Apparently, Northrop was told he should merge his company with Consolidated Vultee. After the lengthy diatribe on Mr. Simmington's part, Northrop asked what the alternatives were. He said, "'Alternatives? You'll be goddamn sorry if you don't.' General McCarney, also in attendance, exclaimed, "'Oh, Mr. Secretary, you don't mean that the way it sounds.' And Mr. Simmington said, "'You're damn right I do.' Richard Miller, who in 1948 was the Northrop chairman of the board, corroborated Jack Northrop's story. Shortly after negotiations on merger terms failed, Northrop got a call from Symington. He said, I'm cancelling all your flying wing aircraft. Jack asked, oh, Mr. Secretary, why? And he said, I've had an adverse report and hung up. Symington subsequently denied that he had made any threats, as well as the rumour that he had been in the running to head the firm that would have resulted from the proposed merger between Consolidated Valti and Northrop. Orders for the next generation of bomber were given to Consolidated Valti, who built the B-36 Peacemaker a conventional aircraft that suffered from many problems with its critics referring to it as a billion-dollar blunder and it only remained in service for seven years. By the time Jack Northrop had revealed his story to the press, his health was failing. He still had great faith in his flying wing designs and communicated as such to NASA he received an encouraging reply, indicating that the idea had technological merit and telling Northrop that its flying wing concepts had not been completely abandoned. Unbeknown to him, a very secret project was underway which would eventually be revealed as the Northrop Grummond B2 Spirit. During its design and development, the Northrop B2 programme was a black project requiring a secret clearance for all programme personnel. Despite this, shortly before his death and unable to walk or speak, Jack Northrop was given clearance to see designs and to hold a scale model of the Northrop Grumman B-2 Spirit stealth bomber, which shared design features from his beloved XP-35 and XP-49 Indeed, they had exactly the same wingspan, 172 feet. Unable to speak, Northrop reportedly wrote on a sheet of paper, Now I know why God has kept me alive for 25 years. The B2 project designer, John Cashin, said, As he held this model in his shaking hands, It was as if you could see his entire history with the flying wing passing through his mind. Jack Northrop died ten months later.
3: Wow, another spellbinding story. Absolutely
4: they're always stellar. Well, there
7: are some great stories out there, Jeff. When I came across this one, uh, I just fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I talked about flying wings before, and I'm uh, personally, as a pilot that understands the principles of controlling an airplane, the idea of only having wings kind of vaguely terrifies me. And I have a feeling that many of us think the same way. But uh, the Horton brothers had proved that it was feasible and uh, Northrop took that uh, and made it a practical aeroplane um, something that the Horton brothers hadn't been able to do they they uh, their designs their Nazi designs were really um, too late in the war for them to have an effect but um, i um I just thought it was very poignant i I thought that Northrop behaved like a true gentleman when he didn't make a fuss uh, at the time when his project was cancelled. Uh, but when he realized that his life perhaps was coming towards an end, I feel that he found that moment appropriate to try and tell the public what he, his side of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it is only one side of the story because um, the... Uh, Secretary, uh, uh, of uh, denied what happened. Uh, But the fact is that um, he was able uh, to get clearance. I think it's such a touching thing that um, the authorities did to let him find out about the project that was underway. And uh, although he didn't see it fly... He knew that he would probably be vindicated. His his concept of this flying it wing aircraft work. would be vindicated in the B two, which I think is just fabulous um, in know, way. It must uh, have been for very his career to end.
3: Very satisfying to uh, to learn that before
7: he absolutely. Passed. Although he was a severely crippled man, uh, you know, in very poor health, uh, I felt that he, you know, could perhaps move on into, uh, you know. Uh, a different mm-hmm. plane, uh, content that uh, his ideas had uh, come to fruition. Yeah. Well, thank you for
3: yeah. sharing all that with us. And oh, that's
7: brilliant. I I, I loved the it. story. It was uh, it, it revealing, and I learned a bit about how the spirit actually controls itself in flight. Uh, the Uh, same system, that really, that um, Northrop had uh, decided to use, which was to use um, ailerons, effectively, that split apart to uh, control the aircraft in yaw. So one would go and the other would go. But he didn't have the advantage of fly-by-wire, and that was what was really needed, to have the precise control you needed, because there's no inherent lateral stability in in a... Uh, a flying wing. So um, when the uh, Army Air Force were looking at it uh, and they bolted a northern bombing site to it, which was state-of-the-art bomb sites uh, during the Second World War, they found that this slight hunting that the flying wing has uh, that is normally zeroed out by a a nice big fin, uh, you don't have that. So it, it confused the northern bomb site and made it very difficult for it to bomb accurately. Um, of course, technology moved on, and eventually we found a way to overcome that with fly-by-wire and very precise control uh, of the aircraft, and uh, of course our bombing equipment now is so advanced in comparison, but it, it, it is a huge story, and I've kind of compressed it down to 20 minutes, because uh, they, But there's a lot there to tell. Um, but yeah, for me, the story is centered around Northrop. I have a great respect for him anyway and his company because he, you know, has been at the heart of so many fantastic airplanes. This was just one aspect of the work he did. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, he's one of the aircraft manufacturers and designers that I truly admire. Yeah, me
3: too. And it was so cool that the uh, B two Spirit stealth bomber had exactly the same wings- wingspan as the XB thirty five and XB forty nine. It's like we're not I saying have it's the same no design. No idea.
7: It's
4: yeah. very similar.
7: <clears throat> very exactly. very similar. Well, the trailing edge, of course, is completely sure, different. Sure. But then again, mm-hmm. um, I, we they knew um, that the flying wing was a very stealthy design. I mean, the flying wings that um, we. Uh, Well, they didn't steal them. I mean, the war was over. We we took what the Horton brothers had made, and we flew the ones that could fly, and they discovered that uh, they were nearly invisible to the radar technology of the time. Uh, And um, everyone went, oh, that's interesting. Uh, As soon as you stuck a uh, tailplane and and, uh, vertical... Uh, stabilizers on them that increases the radar reflective area enormously and that is the fantastic advantage of the b2 is that it doesn't need any of that stuff it is an incredibly stealthy airplane just motoring around as as it is it has no vertical uh, surfaces there to create those uh, corners uh, that uh, create a nice um, juicy radar target, uh, and um, as such, uh, you know, um, uh, Northrop was really onto a winner. He, his aircraft, way back before we'd even considered stealth technology, would have been incredibly stealthy and uh, very hard to detect, uh, and I think would have been a very successful tr- strategic bomber design. Um, Sadly, uh, the B2, uh, the Spirit, is a very expensive airplane, and, and has been to to you know build and get going, is to maintain. But there's no reason why this design, and we've we've seen hints of it in the next generation of airliner, because Airbus and Boeing are looking at blended body flying wings uh and you think wow yeah that's kind of good kind of cool we've got it into our mind that every airplane needs a tail but if it doesn't need a tail just think of the weight saving and the uh, advantages and uh re- drag reduction and um you know it, it the, the possibilities are enormous i get quite excited about it <laughs> yeah
3: yeah i hope uh hope we get to see that soon in uh Future uh, airline design. Yeah.
7: Well, I'm, I'll never get the flying one. You, you'll be uh, probably no, be, yeah. not getting the chance. Nope. Uh, Steph Me. would. <laughs> yeah.
3: She has a chance. Yeah. Maybe. I yeah. only have 566 days left. But who's counting?
4: Mm, definitely not you. No. Definitely you. Well, Is it on your, your home screen yet on your phone? That's
1: not bad. <laughs> not the home screen,
4: the screen. I think that's where Nick had his ah. under 1,000 days, right? they yeah, just pop up like, immediately. yeah. Well.
1: Mm.
3: Hmm. All right. Well, uh, it's getting late. Uh, I think uh, it's time for you to go. Unless you want to hang around for another another one or so, it's up to you. Well, which one are
7: you going to do? Because I, I could know. hang around for one more. Does
3: okay.
1: He have one that he wants to
7: do.
3: Is there one here that uh, kind of uh, you know made you think? Piques oh, I'd interest? like to. Yeah, piqued your interest. Uh, quick,
7: quick look
1: through.
4: I've done a lot of prep for today's show, so I would suggest... Just
3: slightly more than mine. <laughs> no, I, I I had slightly more prep than you. Yes. Very slightly. slightly.
7: Very slight. Yeah. Does
6: uh, one hear Singapore... No,
7: I, I didn't see one uh, specifically review of, uh, that top really... Top Gun Maverick. I know so, Top Gun. Now,
3: Captain Nick, uh, have you... I, I can't recall if you have seen uh, Top Gun Maverick yet.
7: Uh, I'm going to see it. Uh, I tried to see it with the family but my Mm -hmm. son couldn't get time off work until this coming weekend and by the time that occurs uh it's not being shown on the imax which is going to be a great disappointment but i'm going to see it on a conventional screen this weekend
3: i'm going to have to maybe i'll see that tomorrow night Uh, there's a imax uh Mm -hmm. theater near me that uh, still showing. It. I think it's IMAX worth, worth is
7: it. is deeper, a deeper screen, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. means you see more of the vertical aspects. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't get cut off or. Which Which
3: number? Number
6: eighteen.
3: Eighteen. Okay, let's go to number eighteen here from uh, Singapore, Rick. Uh, hello, APG crew. It's Singapore, Rich. Uh, rich saying, "Why was it Rich or Rick?"
6: What it say at the bottom? Rich,
3: it's Richard. Rich. Rich, rich. Okay.
6: He's
3: rich. Someone typoed his own uh, name. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, it's Singapore Rich saying g'day and writing in a quick debrief of the premiere of Top Gun Maverick. If any of you are interested in seeing it, if you haven't already, that is. Uh, hi, I hired a whole theater at Jewel Chanji. Airport, Changi. Changi? I'm sorry, Jewel Changi Airport, Singapore, thinking it an appropriate venue, and certainly it certainly didn't disappoint. Pre dinner drinks were bad, and even some of us dressed up. Haha. Rarely do you get a sequel that measures well against a blockbuster like Top Gun, but I have to say, excitedly, Maverick does just that. I was pleasantly surprised. It was fantastic. Can't wait to go see it again. Great stunt flying by this highly skilled team of aviators. The cast were great. John Hamm stood out to me as a big presence. Jennifer Connelly looked fantastic. The romance scenes were extremely tasteful and did not detract at all from the core action of this film. The cinematography was first rate. The story was solid. The acting was spot on. Jerry Bruckheimer preserved the magic and there was enough reference material in the movie to remind or retell the original story for those who have not seen Top Gun to keep everyone up to speed. Bringing back Val Kilmer was a nice touch as well. Great story they put together to work uh, that in. Thanks so much, cast and crew. Uh, Do yourselves a favor and go see it. Cheers, all. And again, that's Singapore. Rich?
6: That's, that's Rich on the right in okay. uniform. uniform.
3: Rich on the right in uh, this shot. Um, and uh, the one that's wearing the top gun uh, and the American flag? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And the U.S. Air
7: Force. And this is the theater that he that's rented. That's very good. I love his uh, RAF wings. I was going to say US right, F- F- <laughs> right on top the U.S.
3: Air Force. I went, wait a minute. I I, I know what Air Force <laughs> yeah. wings, U.S. Air Force wings look like. And those that's are Not it.
4: Yes. Well, I, I agree with Rich's <laughs> assessment of the movie. It is fantastic. Um, I think I thought they did a really good job of. Um, knowing that it's a sequel, knowing that there is a chance to not get it right, and bringing in just the right balance of all of the elements that you were hoping and expecting to see and balancing it with a decent story and good acting and, you know, all
7: the action that you want. So... Yeah, if you haven't seen it, I, I agree with Rich. Go, well, go and see it. Looking
6: forward
1: to Nick's commentary next
7: well, week. I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. I love. I wish I'd been able to uh, hire an entire set of options for myself and my friends and family. That place looks fantastic. Look at those seats. Yeah, Doesn't nice. that look cool?
3: Very, very nice. Yeah, very nice indeed. They look all indeed. very happy uh, to so, be in there watching mm. Yeah, or about to watch.
7: I'll, I'll forgive you, you're slightly misaligned. I'm trying to work out what the wings on the gentleman on the other side are. I haven't i sussed that yet. But, uh, uh,
3: they kind of look RAF-ish as well, but I guess not, huh?
7: Well, I, they they do, except it looks vaguely like there's a hammer and sickle in the middle. Oh. <laughs> I, say, it looks, yeah, <laughs> I maybe can't so tell weird. from the difficult angle. Difficult it's a little to... confusing. Well, I don't know, but it's got a king's crown over the top. So, mm, uh, okay. well. Uh, that's World War II vintage anyway. Brilliant guys. They're dressing up. That's great. you have got yeah. lovely Ray-Ban glasses. They look really smooth, so they're very good.
3: Even if I had a flight suit back from my Air Force days, I don't think I'd be able to fit into it. So <laughs>
7: <laughs> uh, The only one I could fit into would be the one I, uh, got, I swapped from um, a lovely um, German Air Force chap. Uh, So uh, he was slightly bigger than me, so big fella. Uh, And um, their flight suits were bright orange in peacetime, Um, so uh, bright orange flight suit. And the one I traded with him was one of our really old-fashioned, saggy, baggy, um, flight suits uh, and i'd been wearing it for nearly two weeks without washing it because we've been in germany and i was too interested in in enjoying the uh, after flying uh, activities that they laid on for us every night to ever go to a laundrette so he said, <laughs> at some
4: point they're not going to invite you to, to the after <laughs> flying activities if you don't smell very good you know
7: yeah, well, yeah, there were no ladies around, so we didn't care. No one cared. Um really. so uh yeah. Uh, he sort of took hold of this flight suit and his feet. I think he probably put it straight in the bin. <laughs> um but I got his nice orange one, so I thought I was definitely on a win there.
3: Absolutely. Bonsoir. All
7: right. Nick. Uh Nick, thanks for
3: uh being here for most of today's show and Good luck oh, on you're, the, you're uh, very
7: welcome. Lovely. Uh, or, I'm right. hoping Miami Rick will pitch up before long and take over from me, but I'm sure you two can finish it off. No problem at all. I don't think
4: we have that much longer left, do we?
7: No, I don't think so. It's like
3: 30 minutes.
6: Got an hour, just
7: about an hour. An hour But you know what? I'm
3: I'm thinking that we may not go for another full hour because
1: sure. That's I think boss. both
3: Steph and I are yeah. like, we need to catch up on our sleep. <laughs>
7: yeah. yeah. So I, hope you're, I hope your cough... gets better, Jeff. Thank you. And i uh, yeah. love to see you survive that uh, uh, run down the canyon, uh, yeah, Steph. A brilliant job. Appreciate well it. done. It anyway, great. I'll see you guys next week. Looking forward to it, of course. All right, All right.
3: Nick. Take care. Good night. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Good night. Bye. All right. Um, any suggestions for us, Liz, or should we just kind of no, go I just, and... I
6: would just carry on. Okay. Carry on
3: and... okay. Oh, so... Uh, looked here at this, uh, piece of feedback, number three B and, uh, this person not only is a, a big part of our ABG community, uh, one of our listeners, but also you'll hear his voice every, every show at the very beginning, mm-hmm. introducing our show radio Roger. And, uh, he sent in, um, this item regarding the New York port authority cracking down on airport beer, food, and other beverage prices. And he gave us a couple links to a couple of different uh, articles regarding this. Uh, this first one teases twenty seven dollars for a beer, eleven dollars fries. How much? Uh, Here is how much vendors at Newark, LaGuardia, and JFK airports should be selling these things for, officials say. Uh Investigators with the Port Authority have officially reached the same conclusion that many travelers in New Jersey and New York have been hollering about for years you shouldn't be paying twenty seven dollars for a beer at the airport twenty seven dollars yeah that's a lot on Thursday, The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey announced it will be launching a series of measures to ensure that any goods being sold at its airports are being sold for street prices with a maximum of ten percent extra and yes, that includes beer according to the Port authority, which means which manages. Newark, JFK, and LaGuardia airports. Here are the current rules when it comes to selling food and drinks. Quote, the policy caps all concession prices at local, off-airport street prices, plus a maximum surcharge of 10% and requires concessionaries to offer lower-priced food and beverage options to provide a wider range of value for customers. Uh, So it goes on. You know, uh, talking about street pricing and that kind of thing, I noticed that it was probably, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago when uh, several airports that i fly in and out of kind of adopted the same kind of policies and say look you know there's no reason that people should be spending you know twice as much for a hamburger at mcdonald's when it's mcdonald's that you're buying it from an airport and it's not there's it's the same
4: food it hasn't yeah, it's changed the same
3: food and uh, people are just taking advantage yeah. now i do realize that to get one of these concessions into an airport there are a lot of Expenses uh, the, some more hoops and or fees and, and, and under, food the, and, under know, the table, you know, you know, you know, money that, oh, wait a minute. That can't possibly happen anyway. Uh, so, you know, I kind of understand why it might be a little bit more, but not, you know, double or more. Like the quadruple extortion. the price. It's Extortion. Yeah, extortion for sure. Because they have a captive audience, you know, so. Yeah,
4: exactly.
3: Anyway. Especially
4: if you're stuck in the airport
3: in this yeah. connection or something. Right. Exactly. It's
4: not like you can Good easily news in New York.
3: Yeah. yeah good news in New York. Looks like they're uh, actually starting to crack down on this and hopefully, of course, you know, street price. <laughs>
4: I was going to say, what is, how do they define street pricing? Yeah.
3: It's like, that's also crazy. It's crazy pricing yeah. to begin with.
4: I, I, was, I was wondering if they were talking about street pricing as in, this is what you would reasonably expect to pay for it in a grocery store mm. or street pricing as in, if you went to a no. bar,
3: mm.
4: I think the latter. Served, Probably the latter.
3: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: which is not cheap either.
3: Well, thanks, Roger, for uh, okay. sending in those articles. Thanks for the good news, there, Roger. Yeah, Sam. Thanks for the good news. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got some audio feedback from Albert regarding um, saluting and tug locations, etc. Well, he'll he'll explain. Here we go. Take it away, Albert.
8: Hi, APG crew. Albert here from Sydney. Just in response to Brian from Pasadena's comments about the uh, saluting at the very end here we don't salute or anything we just show the bypass pin give a thumbs up and everything and as to captain nick's comments about the tug parking in front of the aircraft we do that as standard the tug driver is there to overwatch the dispatcher Has removed the bypass pin and after he gets the clear to disconnect signal, actually disconnects properly, closes the comms panel, and everything's fine. I had one time where the captain was asking what the tug was doing in front of the aircraft whilst I was waiting for the clear disconnect signal, and I told him he's overwatching me, but he's also there to make sure you don't run me over. So (laughs) that got a little bit of a laugh. Anyway, Fantastic show. Keep the good work up. Talk to you soon.
3: Well, thank you, Albert, for the kind mm-hmm. words. And, uh, yeah, it seems to be, I guess, maybe just the United States that uh, has the old saluting thing. What a
4: bunch of cowboys.
3: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It seems hey, like the opposite cow- of a yeah. cowboy. I don't know. He's like, yeah. hat tip. Yeah, there you go. That will be the way to do it. Mm-hmm. And, then a, and then a good... Uh, you know, after you do the hat tip, uh, come on, Jeff. You can do this. I know. I'm trying to get find it. Here we go. Yeehaw! Yelling out a good yeehaw. We
6: love our
1: yeehaw. We do
3: love that, Liz. Um, thanks, Albert. Again, appreciate that. For uh, it's always nice to hear uh, from you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. A.K. Sledder, Alaska airplane crash. Alaska Sledder. Alaska Sletter. Alaska sweater. Okay. Uh First time I have submitted anything but thought you might find it interesting. Keep on keeping on. Alaska Sletter. I really
6: this because it's his first one.
3: Okay. Um, so there was a link to an article from KINY Radio uh, up in uh, Alaska, Juneau, to be exact. Two adults and a child. Less than a year old, were safe after the plane transporting the group crashed into the Mantanuska River Saturday night. Police dispatch in Wasilla. Wasilla. Wasilla? It's Wasilla. Wasilla or what? So it's Sarah Palin, Palin came what? from. It is where Oh, that's Sarah where Sarah Palin's, Palin's from. from. Oh, okay. Wasilla. I've heard of that. Okay.
4: It's sure. just north of Anchorage.
3: Gotcha. Uh, received a 911 call at about 634 in the afternoon Saturday. Anchorage? But I thought this was in Juneau. The or maybe the oh, byline the, uh, is the yeah. byline for the
8: uh, radio for station.
3: The okay, um, okay. Get back to the story, Jeffrey. Uh, they received a nine-one-one call at about six thirty-four in the afternoon, Saturday. <laughs> That's funny, six thirty-four in the afternoon. Well, in Alaska, the, year, the sun's not going to set. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Reporting that a plane crashed into the river near mile ninety-nine to the Glen Highway. The plane was occupied by three individuals, including two adults and a seven-month-old child. According to the Trooper Dispatch, nearby citizens witnessed the crash and immediately responded to assist where they found the airplane sinking into the river. The report further said that Brent or Brett Winterbottom of Glacier View tethered himself to his ATV and swam into the Montanuska River and saved the adult male and seven-month-old child. Uh, Winterbottom passed the baby to Tammy Saunders, a nurse who was visiting Alaska from Texas, who was able to immediately render aid. The female occupant of the aircraft became separated and swam herself to shore on the opposite side of the river. Another citizen arrived in a helicopter, collected her, transported her to her family. LifeMed responded to the scene and assisted in transporting the female and the infant to the hospital. Troopers thanked the citizens who provided immediate rescue efforts. That is so nice. It's probably pretty cold. Oh, it's got to be very it's cold.
4: It's a, yeah. yeah, super pretty area. I've driven up uh, along there towards Denali State Park. Hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I imagine it's cold for sure.
3: Now, we don't really know anything about, you know, what caused the no. crash or anything else or what kind of airplane or whatever. But, but thanks,
6: uh, for yes, thanks for sending it in, Alaska
3: Yes, thanks for sending it in, Alaska Slutter And... Uh, We're glad you're out there. uh, look
6: forward to hearing from you again.
3: Listening to the show and watching the show, and we look forward to hearing from you again. (laughs) Um, Captain Shipmate sent in uh, something. Um, Let's see. Listening to recent episodes of the APG, the Egypt Air Crash and Plane Tale of American One, reminded me of an old Eastern Airlines promotional video I watched a while back. I highly recommend you give it a watch. Here are two timestamps to watch. Uh, The first one, he said, uh, has uh, the quote, climb, check, complete, time for a Chesterfield, which is a cigarette. (laughs) Um, He said, I couldn't help but think about the Egypt Air Crew lighting up a cigarette and not remembering this video. Also, uh, tragically, the power means safety portion, because that's another uh, cut to point, uh, certainly explains the mindset of the time of the American one crash and the emphasis on multiple engine failure training at this period of time. Losing two engines on the same wing in a KC-130J model is a nightmare. I, and I couldn't imagine doing this for a proficiency check. Thank you for the endless entertainment and 50% factual information. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Captain Shipmate, uh, U.S. Marine Corps KC-130J driver. There we go. There's nice. our APG 50% guarantee. thankless um, So we do have... Uh, Did you queue up some of these? Yeah, queued up this first one, especially uh,
4: the Chesterfield one. Yeah,
3: the Chesterfield, and then we'll I'm, probably I'm totally fast forward
4: imagining this, right this old timey, uh,
3: well, video here. What, what's the guy's name again? Uh, Godfrey Arthur Godfrey is the um,
6: Arthur Godfrey. That's playing
3: the uh, captain. So uh, let's add this to the stream.
0: Ah yes. You care for So locking. Hey, we finished our climb check. Now it's time for a Chesterfield. <laughs> Dick, I don't smoke, Arthur. I don't smell. Hugh, okay, thanks. I knew I didn't like you. <laughs> you get down on the deck, you buy them by the cart, see? Indubitably. What? Stupid. In oh, yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you wouldn't wrap your tongue around that one hats. twice. Yeah. Building up his pond.
3: Okay, so uh, we're going to put it on pause here for a second. got to watch this. Uh, These guys are wearing their full uniform, uniform jackets and hats, and then their Mm -hmm. headsets are over the hat. Over the hat, yeah. Not sure that this is probably the way they actually flew the aircraft.
6: Lighten up their Chesterfields.
3: Yeah, lighten up the Chesterfields. I think that actually was factual. That part was. Yeah. Yeah but just not the way they're wearing the uniform right now. Uh, I find that hard to believe. Anyway, let's go move forward to the power means safety uh, timestamp, 3218. let see how close I can get here. 32... That was right on. Oh, I know. There you go. All right. I'm going to go a little bit before that. Go.
0: Here we go. Boom. Nothing is guesswork. It's still routine. Okay. Now I'm going to show you the most amazing demonstration of power in an airplane you've ever seen. Let's go back upstairs. Okay. That's a beautiful airplane. Mm-hmm. So now watch this. Feather one. Feather
3: one. Okay, the number one engine's being feathered. Or the
0: prop. Feather two. Feather two.
3: Which means that neither of these engines now is providing power. Not only Feathered, but Oh, I guess it's completely stopped. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Look at that. On two engines. Powered along just like a kitten. You haven't seen anything yet. Feather three. Feather
3: three. Flying straight as you can imagine.
0: Boy, oh boy, look at that on one engine. Going along just as steady as you like. Only a Constellation can do this. Why do we have all that tremendous reserve of power? Because, my friends, power means safety. That's why this Super Constellation is the most dependable airliner in the world today. Okay, Hugh, bring in one. Unfeathering
3: one. All right, well, you get the idea. God bless Lockheed. They right. made such great airplanes.
4: I liked i boxes comment. Feather four.
6: Did you... Did you- <laughs>
3: You, did you lose did you, us?
6: Did you, yeah, a little bit. But did you know Arthur Godfrey was a air transport rated pilot with 17,000 hours flying?
3: I did not know that. In wow.
6: the air as a solo and command pilot. As a
3: solo and command pilot. No, I did not know that.
6: <laughs> yeah, he's in the Air airline National Aviation Hall of Fame.
3: He's in the Air uh, Airline National Hall of Fame. National Aviation Hall of Fame. One of those.
6: National Aviation Hall of Fame. I'm
3: having trouble just keeping words coming out of my Maybe mouth. Maybe we should right
6: wrap order. this baby up.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking we might want to do that pretty soon. Why don't we? Why don't we? Uh, let's do
4: one or two more. Yeah, perhaps. let's do one or two more.
3: Okay. Uh, but thank you, uh, Captain Shipmate, from uh, for sending in that. Uh, it's always fun to watch some of these uh, older older uh, movies. All right. Uh, feedback from... You know,
4: like 60, 70 years from now, someone's going to come back and watch all these episodes. But oh, I know. Look how old-timey that was. <laughs>
3: I know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we yeah, don't want to yeah. talk about that.
4: Listen to their no. <clears throat> antiquated way of speaking.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, speaking Weirdful of uh, ways of speaking, oh, okay. Uh, here's some audio feedback mm. that talks a little bit about that, at least speaking on the radio. This is from our good friend, Aviator Tony, um, who is also a podcast host of the Squawk Ident podcast. So take it away, Tony.
5: Hello, APG crew and fans. It's Aviator Tony here, and uh, it's been a while. So I thought I'd send in a little audio. Well, I've been listening to the show religiously. Of course, that's what we all do when we have the syndrome. And a few shows back, all of you were mentioning the Extra Chatter that is often something that we hear on the radios as we're flying along up there. And I just was uh, thinking about a story of something that happened to me, well, early on in my career, I'd have to say. I was a newer airline pilot, maybe two or three years of experience behind my belt, and I was flying along with a captain. I was new to the base in Los Angeles flying for a regional carrier that had just opened up a jet base in LA. So I transferred from Chicago to LA and I was very excited to be based in my hometown. And the first captain that I flew with out on the line there in LA had of his name was Randy Travis, no no relation. But he was a, a relatively sarcastic, young and energetic guy and I really had a good time. It was a great introduction to the base to fly with him. Um, he had a lot of information for me, um, and I really appreciated uh, flying with him. And about two or three days into the trip, he said to me, "Hey Tony, uh, I'm going to say something, but don't be offended." Of course, all the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I was like, "Uh-oh, what? What did I do? Something? You know, what's going on?" And he said, "Listen, you you got a great radio voice. Uh, you know what to say, but you are a junior." Sure aviator and I paused and thought what are you talking about and he said junior aviator he goes listen some some captain told me once when I was new the same thing I'm about to tell you he goes can you tell me in the aim where it says checking in or any of this extra language do you think that in the LaGuardia and New York airspace it's okay for them to, to have all this extra chatter. They're busy. You know, Chicago's no different. You were based there. He goes, every time, every time you check in with the controller, they know what you're doing. You know, you give your call sign, your who you is, where you at, what you want, right? Your call sign, your altitude, and uh, if need be, your position. But that's it. All that extra stuff, how you doing, checking in. Uh, It's just not necessary, and it makes you sound like a junior aviator And at first I was a little disappointed, not in him, but in myself That he pointed this out, I was doing something that he had a point That I was doing something a little extra Now, over the years that I've been flying, I've been told by many fellow pilots That they don't think that's a problem And anybody that's that anal about, you know, having this extra language Really is overboard. But at that moment, I started to hear myself. And every time I was, in fact, checking in, I would catch myself. I would hear it. Whereas before he had mentioned that, I didn't hear it. And it really did change my perspective in radio calls and radio traffic to try to be the best possible aviator I can. At least that's. Been my attitude for a while. I've always tried to improve upon who I am as a pilot, and that moment changed my direction. I no longer, at least I try, to no longer say things like uh, "checking in," "with ya," and of course the dreaded "see ya," which is always fun. Anyway that's my two cents i do appreciate the show i appreciate everything that you all do i don't know how you are so consistent in every week producing this fantastic podcast uh having trouble with my schedule on my own (laughs) with mine uh so a couple times a month is, is about as much as i can get out right now but uh jeff nick nick steph and rick you guys do a fantastic job. Liz, we couldn't do it without you. Keep up the great work. We'll see you out there on the line. Maybe or Tony, out. See ya.
3: <laughs>
9: <laughs> see ya.
3: <laughs> see ya. Now, I have to say that that the see ya thing is kind Man, of like, I heard hey.
4: such a loud one. Not
3: last week. Yeah. So
4: the five with weak week before. See ya. And I was like, okay.
3: So over, right? I and uh, Steph and I were talking a little bit while we were listening to your audio here and uh it's funny how when somebody says something like that to you then all of a sudden you start hearing yourself and one uh, example of that is there's there's another aviation air traffic control podcast out there that I guess they have a problem with people saying you know uh you know with uh with you, with you yeah like uh, uh, Acme five forty three with you passing five for ten or whatever, um, and I do that, and uh, I've been doing that for more than thirty years, uh, and I but I do hear myself saying it, and I do try sometimes not to, and then I think,ing well, you know, it doesn't, it's not sound that bad. So I think you know,
4: little two, I think little two word phrases are yeah. not problematic generally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like Aviator Tony was saying, what's well, the goal of all of this. So does it say it anywhere in the pilot controller glossary? No. no. Um, does it mean, you know, you can't use a word that's... Mm-hmm. You, you must only ever use words that are in this glossary. No, because then you would never be able to communicate what you're trying to do, right? Correct. So you want to keep it brief. You don't want to be clogging up mm-hmm. the frequency with a lot of extraneous talk, conversation. Um, but there's nothing wrong with being pleasant or having little bridging words to... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, convey uh, a nice tone, and-,
3: and and you have to adapt. So, if you go into a place like New York Center, um, New York approach, and it's extremely busy, and sometimes they don't even give you enough time, like Chicago, here to even that they'll make several radio calls in a string of words with no breaks in between. Uh, there's no way even to respond sometimes to some of the radio calls. So in that situation, when it's that busy, that's not when you get on there and you just kind of get on there with your southern draw and draw and say, "How you doing there, uh, Chicago?"
4: Acme
3: yeah, well, yeah, it, no. You know, it's just like you say what exactly uh, it is you need to say. And that's going to be with you for a while. You're passing right. through. So, no. you know, you adapt to the situation. <laughs> you can hear when you hear somebody really talking quickly and you hear radio calls going back and forth, back and forth. That's not the time to add all the extra stuff. But it's if a, you're like in, early in the morning, like we were this morning, you know, at, at uh, five o'clock in the morning, whatever. And, and there's not a lot of radio chatter going on. And so I'll say something like, you know, Acme 543, uh, we're, you know, level – 390 or obviously not 390 on my airplane but 330 you know good morning or mm-hmm. hello so i usually
4: you yeah. know so i'm calling up every 20 minutes or so uh, or less um but with a basically a new flight with mm-hmm. and sometimes it's the exact same controller sometimes it's a different controller just depends on their schedule um but if it's not exceptionally busy usually good morning good afternoon mm-hmm. evening um yeah. jumper dumper back right. off you know switch and switch I, airport, or you know whatever it is i need to say <clears> but if it's if it's very busy my brain does that switch automatically because i know i've only got half a second to mm-hmm. get in the information that i need so it's going to be just information and nothing more
3: yeah i agree so just adapt to the situation i don't think there's any problem with adding a little bit of character to uh, yeah. well, it's, uh it's to what ER. you're saying and uh you know Uh, Sometimes
4: I mean, keep it it professional, right? Like they should be
3: professional things that you're saying. There are times when you hear a guy that just is like, "Oh, just like fingers, fingernails scratching the chalkboard." And People probably young people don't know what a chalkboard is, but uh, (laughs) like, hey there, uh, Atlanta Center Endeavor, you know whatever, whatever call sign. Just you know, having a have a great day you know it's like oh and then of course you're following that person all along and so you're hearing them check in every single and, time and, you know every single time you're going, oh gosh this is like i feel sorry for the person that has to fly with this person and have to listen to that constantly that would just be grating. uh but anyway maybe they
4: spend what. a lot of time on some of the satellite uh, frequencies as well so there's a mm-hmm. lot of check-ins from um folks looking for flight following mm-hmm is so just my PSA to uh, general aviation pilots, I, and I know certain other aviation or um, air traffic uh, podcast mm-hmm. does appreciate pilots getting flight following. That's very good. But make sure you have all the information. And once you're talking to them, you know, all that information at once would
3: probably be appreciated. Yeah, and doing it in the right, in the right order is an extra credit <laughs> yeah. because I, I never realized this but they explain on uh, opposing bases uh-huh. the fact that when you're asking for flight following whatever they're they're having to to type all that in. Oh yeah. Uh, while they're doing all the other stuff that they're doing, and they have to type it in in exactly, a, a, it has to be a certain order. And if you give it to them in like several different radio calls or out of order, whatever, then they have to go oh no, no, no back 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 space back. Mm-hmm. But you know, so they and
4: that's and that's why they say just say no for you U.S. based pilots out there just say no to kilo because if you're if they're putting in an airport identifier code, it doesn't want. The, key, the kilo. Oh, and if, really? And if you say that, you know, your brain, as you're typing along, will just put it in automatically. Oh, backspace, 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 backspace.
1: Uh, yeah.
3: they only want the three-letter They just want the three-letter Not the four-letter. Four i I-Hall
6: Boxes has huh. a cargo pilot's perspective here.
3: Cargo pilots, this is I-Hall Boxes, says, and keep in mind, good morning <laughs> is relative <laughs> to when the cargo pilot got up, uh, not to the actual time of day. Well, that... Well, that's true with their air traffic controllers as well because mm-hmm. they're usually in a very, very dark room, and it's like in the middle of the night, and they'll say, "Good morning." We're not even in the middle of the night, uh, like in the afternoon, the sun's still up, and they'll, but it's late afternoon. "Good morning," I'm thinking, "Okay, they must just be getting to work or something like that." Or, or in the morning, they'll say something like, "Good night." I'm thinking, "Good night," like well, that's weird. Uh,
6: Main Marin has one of his favorite phrases there.
3: Uh, Maine Marin says. Fish finder. <laughs> got, oh, him yeah. the, got him on the fish finder. Yeah, <laughs> do I, you though? Yeah, do talking you. about calling out traffic and then calling the TCAS. Of the got him on the fish finder. Yeah, that's like uh, <laughs> don't
4: don't say that one. That's that would be out.
3: Yeah, that's stupid. I mean, of course, this is all personal, you know, feelings yeah, about biases. these things. And I'm sure I say things on there that make people just go crazy. Never no. So, anyway. Um so Remember, that was good uh and, yeah. good feedback um from uh aviator Tony. Thanks, Tony. Again, uh yeah, thank you. And and just a reminder, he does a fantastic podcast, Squawk Ident, available on where all fine aviation podcasts are fi- found and served. Um and we I need to have I mentioned to him uh you know he sent in that wonderful Audio feedback to us for the 500th episode
1: mm-hmm. back in
3: December, and uh, I mentioned to him that we need to have him on as a we as do. a guest uh, yeah, host a good, uh, good guest. Uh, sometime soon. And when he sent me then this, I, I wrote back to him. I said, oops, sorry, I guess we haven't done that." And that was like six months ago. We, Time flies. Yeah, it does fly. Anyway, thanks, thanks, Tony. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, with that, lots of good. Feedback still remaining. Are we going to do number 11? Oh, we're going to do 11. I'm sorry. Um, I I misunderstood what you said. Oh, I Um, thought we were
6: going to wrap it up with 11. Okay.
3: Uh, Oh, that's right. That's right. This is perfect. Okay. Uh, Number 11 uh, feedback. I don't know why I'm saying that because uh, it doesn't matter to anybody except for us. No. Yeah uh brett, maybe
4: maybe people are playing like apg bingo at home though you know we, you it's know?
3: funny uh, posing bases they do the uh, bingo thing and right. i remember yeah. early on in our show uh uh-huh. there was we did have a APG bingo, bingo mm-hmm. but that was a long time ago um anyway uh brett says someday we'll see a story about a retired airline pilot in his rv pulled off the side <laughs> of the road with his starlink Hmm. Captain Jeff.
1: Mm, uh, this is suspicious. a story
3: from USA Today. Anyway, uh, a first in Yellowstone as man in Tesla proves his ingenuity. And uh, we have a video of uh, Ron Sterben's, a frequent. Oh, no. Is he the one that was in his Tesla? Uh, no. Okay. He
4: was... He noticed the Tesla. He noticed. Okay.
3: So Ron Sterbens, a frequent visitor to Yellowstone National Park, was driving in Lamar Valley, north of Soda Butte, when he noticed a Tesla pulled over with a Starlink internet hookup on its hood and a man inside. At a destination known for sightings of bison, wolves, and bears, and for the overall beauty of the park, the sight of a Starlink on a parked car in Lamar Valley was quite odd, and a Yellowstone first, at least for... Uh, He said, I thought the person was trying to charge the car, and that that was why I pulled over, and perhaps they needed help. Uh, I also thought maybe the Tesla needed service since the wires went under the hood, or maybe it needed to connect. After seeing the person seemed okay, I drove on. Um, Later, Sturbenz learned that the man was using the internet connection for work, putting a whole different spin on the abnormal sighting. And we do have some... Video showing this. Nope, that's not it. Um, yes, it was. was. That was oh, yeah, Mar- 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 okay. yeah. All right. Okay. Oh, there you, you're right. Tesla added to internet.
4: Addicted to internet. Addicted Take care of him, Steph. Take care of him. I'm trying. I'm doing what I can here. This. So here we have um, this guy, uh, Sturbens. Coming up upon this Tesla, which is pulled off the side of the road, and there's something odd on the hood of I put the car.
3: Yep, it's a dish. I put mine on the roof, actually, mm. my Accord.
4: Tesla needed Starlink to get its internet fixed and post selfies. All right, it's a nice place to post selfies from. Yeah, we're doing close. it for the gram. Get it on the Instagram. Vehicle and driver, okay. Okay. <laughs> Do we really need internet that bad? Enjoy the park. Email and TikTok. Depends on what he does for work,
3: I suppose. Yeah. So, if um, I'm out there in my RV, I already do have my Tesla. No, I'm sorry. Starlink. <laughs> I don't have a Tesla. <laughs>
4: I promise, folks, there is no alcohol. in. There isn't. The- in the spirit I'm that just I have a,
3: been just giving to Jeff uh, this evening. Anyway, when I'm in my RV and have my Tesla dish. Oh, I did it again. Uh, Your Starlink dish. <laughs> thank you, Starlink dish. Help. Uh, I would try to help
9: you, but
4: I just took a drink of mine. My... because
3: of this, what we're doing right now. And hopefully at some point I'll be able to do it better. <laughs> but have, I need internet to do this. Uh, the show. Uh, we need it. And uh, so that's going to give me the... Um the, I, I
4: would take a, a different um angle oh, yeah. on this than than I would say, um, hey, I commend this guy for, you know, not being stuck in his office and yeah. getting out and seeing nature while working. Right. Yeah. Good on exactly. you.
3: Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Good on him. And uh yeah, that, that Starlink <laughs> system is gonna be very, very nice for me when I get out there and I'm beyond the reach of cell phones signals enough. and that kind of thing and and uh just put that dishy out there and make sure i have a good view of the uh, sky and mm-hmm. uh crank it up and let's do a show
6: yeah so, yeah I, like that. I do
3: apologize <laughs> everybody for <laughs> I don't know what's going wrong with me but uh, I mean i feel okay it's just that this uh it's like that tickle that you have in the back of your throat it just won't go away yeah.
4: and, then, and then it ends up distracting
6: you yeah, yeah
3: very much so obviously Compose
6: your thoughts <clears throat> covid test
3: no not gonna do a covid test <laughs> Um. Thank you, though, Liz, for your concern. All right. Now it's time for us to wrap up the show. Thank goodness uh, we will point you over to AirlinePilotGuy.com. It's a great website that has all kinds of information about so many things, like the, the community and the crew and um, uh, the calendar for the uh, APG uh, to Merch. figure out when we're going to be doing shows and that sort of thing. We have merchandise. Uh, We have uh,
4: the library.
3: A library. Yeah. I haven't mentioned that in a while. Uh, Our librarian, Tiffany, manages that for us. Uh, Also, expanded information on those great plane tales that we have every week that Captain Nick uh, uh, facilitates. And uh, so much more. So check it out airlinepilotguide.com. Information about the coffee fund and such. Okay. And. We have uh, what we're in a couple of uh, social media spots Mm -hmm. out there and uh, Steph is much better at social media than I am. So I'm going to. Am I though? You. Well, yeah.
4: I feel like a lot the older better. I get, the less good I am at social media,
3: but yeah. I suppose or that's. The more, or the, the less you care
4: about. The less I care about it is <laughs> probably what, really what it is. You I'm see like, where Muh.
3: I am. i yeah,
4: yeah. I post something there or not. But hey, if you want to follow the show's social media, uh, we're on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash airline pilot guy. You could also head over to Twitter. We are at APG crew and our individual Twitter information is pinned to the top of that page. We are also on Instagram, kind of, sort of. None yeah, of us use it, but sometimes. we're also APG crew. Um, <clears throat> so we hope to see you there. And uh, if you don't prefer any of those social media options, if you are a bit more in-depth uh, with your social media needs, dare I say nerdy?
3: Perhaps not. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you just said, I said it. it. It's too, it's okay. You can't take it back.
4: Uh, your APG nerdiness is appreciated, and you should head over to Slack and check it out.
3: Yeah, I think I uh, hear hello. Hello? How did you he get a, here? Slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. I don't know. It's always a Avert your kind of, eyes stuff. Uh, I, yeah, avert your eyes stuff. <laughs> he
1: <laughs> he didn't gonna, bring a towel. Wait, <laughs> wait,
3: put, put, a to- put a towel on, man. Stop here. <laughs> oh, gosh. I can't believe this. Okay. He's going he's gonna to get us a little bit wet here while he sits down. Okay. Squeeze in. All right. Tell us about Slack.
8: APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K. Yara Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at AirlinePilotGuy.com or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel and I'll send you an invitation that's Hillel spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1 and see you in Slack.
3: All right thank you a lot Hill I'll uh, do appreciate that. Appreciate What the heck is on this hand towel,
4: Jeff? I don't know. I'm just glad that you grabbed a towel. <laughs> Thanks.
3: I don't know what he's talking about. Must have been the previous guest of this uh, hotel room. Anywho, um, that was uh, Hillel and Slack. So uh, again, uh, thank you very much for managing that for us. And also, we'd like to thank Liz Piper in Toronto in the Yay,
6: Liz. Thank you. Hey, everybody.
3: We love you. And honestly, it it makes uh, doing the show so much of a a joy, all the work you do behind the scenes and trying to keep us all on track.
6: My pleasure. My pleasure.
3: Your pleasure. Ours Try.
6: I do my best. Steph and I I try. (laughs) <laughs> and, yes. Right. So it's right.
3: only the women of the crew that uh, keep everything on track. I, I, absolutely. I didn't okay. see Nick
4: doing much of anything.
3: Probably true. <laughs> 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 he left early. <laughs> okay. Well. Just kidding, Nick. Love you. Anyway. So, uh, and we love all of you that uh, download our show and watch us on YouTube and tell everybody, all your friends about us. Um, we just love this family of ours, uh, aviation podcasting family. And a lot of other great aviation podcasts out there for you to check out. So uh, do that. But mm-hmm. don't leave us, please. Because mm-hmm. we, 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 we'd we hate to see you again. Stay here, but also check them out, too. Exactly. It's just more and, you know, right. not, not either more. or. but and. Yeah. Right. And with that, we're going to say, wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, Talons
6: Douglas. Cheers, y'all. Bye, everybody.
9: till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats
0: Airline pilot guy I fly a major oh! Airline pilot guy He can land in heavy
9: fall oh! I got no friends cause I'm always flying. I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine
0: Airline like a guy i fly a flyer Oh, airline